Hockey, he scores! They're going to do it again! The Sharks score! Joe Pavelski with 3.6 seconds to go! They're going to win in Winnipeg! It is Season 9, Episode 6 of the Sportscasters. I am Steve Bennett here with a special co-host today, Miss Paula Bennett. How you doing, Paula? Good. Can you talk into the microphone? Yeah. Tell the people what's going on. What are you up to? Going to beat. Yeah? You watching wrestling these days? Yeah. Who's your favorite wrestler? Animal George the Animal Steel? What color is his tongue? Green. Who's his best friend in wrestling? Um, Steamboat? Steamboat. Yeah. And what happened to Steamboat? Did he get hurt? Um, he hurt his throat? Who hurt, who hurt him? Macho Man? Macho Man? Yeah. But then Steamboat came back and he won the belt, right? At WrestleMania 3? Okay, people. I'm just talking about the... <laughs> you talking to the people? Yeah. Make sure you talk right into that microphone. Tell them who's going to be on the podcast today. Jeff Perlman? Jeff Perlman. Yeah, Jeff Perlman's going to be on the podcast. And uh, he'll, he's going to be the first guest. Hello. Jeff. Hello. Sportscasters. <laughs> Jeff Perlman's going to be on the show today. Uh, Jeff and I spoke for about an hour. We just kind of hit record, went all over the place, talked about whatever. And uh, also on the show today is a guy named Eric Hawk, uh, who runs the Western New York Roller Hockey Association here in Buffalo. And I thought he had a really interesting story to tell uh, because he he uh, runs the Roller Hockey League here. And he started as a player, and he kind of built this recreational Roller Hockey League that has a 1,000 players or more each summer. And I thought he had a really interesting story. So we'll do that in interview second. So... Here's what we got for today. We have Jeff Perlman first. Uh, then we're going to take a break. The book club has to get serious because we got a big book coming up. Uh, the History of the Future by Blake J. Harris. I'll tell you more about that in the book club. Uh, then we'll do the Eric Hawk interview kind of as the second one. Lots of really interesting stuff there. Uh, kind of a history of Buffalo roller hockey. What it takes to ro- uh, to, to have a rec hockey league. Um, just really interesting. Kind of a business uh, interview the business of sports, the business of rec sports. Um, really interesting discussion with Eric, uh, and then we will finish with one last thing, and um, I will set up the next few weeks of shows because we have I have a bunch of interviews scheduled, a bunch of interviews planned. Um, so we're going to get real busy around here as uh, the NCAA tournament is going to start, the NHL and NBA playoffs are going to start, Major League Baseball is going to start, the Masters is right around the corner. Uh, so I'm booking a bunch of interviews and actually stockpiling them. Um, and Paula is now gone. That was a pretty good good uh, stint on the podcast for Paula. I uh, appreciate her enthusiasm. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to some of the guests. And I'll, I'll tell you what's lined up. 
before one last thing, and then we got a whole bunch of plugs. We got new partners, uh, the guys from the tennis podcast. We got to plug all their stuff. Uh, we got to plug uh, Western New York Roller Hockey. We got to plug Dater. We got to plug Greetings from Allentown. Lots of partnerships and friendships, which makes this really fun. Place to be nation. Uh, but yeah, that's the schedule for today. So let's jump into it. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back with one of the most requested guests and most beloved guests on the podcast, our friend Jeff Perlman. All right, our next guest is from Mayo Pack. He graduated from Delaware and he currently is living in SoCal. Uh, he's the author of Football for a Buck, a uh, book about the USFL, and also Sweetness, Showtime, Gunslinger. He's one of the favorites here on the Sportscast. There's a warm welcome to Jeff Perlman. What's up, Jeff? Welcome back, buddy. I'm going for the all-time. You said I'm, um, who am I behind? Lee Jenkins? Jenkins, Wertheim, probably neck and neck with guys like Deitch and uh, Passan. I'm at, like tier two. Yeah. That's crap. Well, the nice That's thing crap. is Je- Jenkins is out, right? I mean, he's not coming on anytime soon. Yeah, he's done. He's retired. So you- and uh, we're time now. Very hard to get. All 60 minutes. Yeah, he's got like Very nine jobs. Yeah, he's got like nine jobs. Yeah. I had him on a few weeks ago, and that yeah. was the first time in like nine months. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's tough. He's guy. probably my closest friend in journalism. Oh, he's a great guy. Yelly. Mm-hmm. I met my wife at his wedding. Yes, I remember that story. I remember yeah. that story. Yelly. Yeah, good guy. He's been a good good friend to me in the show, and uh, I always appreciate his time. And I got to bust his balls for a while about his big 60-minute story on the Harvard joke magazine or whatever. So what's the Yale guy doing? Oh, yeah. No, he's great. Oh, he's real good. Real good. Yeah. He's got an interesting mix of expertise. Like, he's a big MMA guy and then also, like, tennis. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, like, yeah. kind of a weird pairing. Yeah. He inspired me to write my first book, really, because we, uh, he, so it was me, him, and Grant Wall. Uh, we were hired around the same time at SI, and then we'd be promoted together. I think three times we were promoted together. And um, John had just written a book about women's tennis, and I got approached by an agent about, do I want to write a book? And I never really thought about it. And then he'd written a book, and we'd always kind of just had these parallel careers at SI. So I was like, well, I guess if he's, he did it, I should do it, too. And I wrote a book. Do you ever think, wow, if I would have stayed there, maybe I'd be an executive editor for them right now or something like that? <laughs> you know, just based that on what you said. That would never been a career path for me. No. Never. Yeah, no, that would have never, that was not a career path for me. Never. Would not have made me happy. Not too many hours in the coffee shop and the gym shorts and the flip-flops just kind of writing to yourself in the executive well, editor world. You know, I'm just kind of a, uh, you know, First of all, and I'm not just saying this, like, he's smarter than I am. Like, factually, John is just a, he's, a, he's one of the smartest people I know. Well, yeah, he's and, a Yale uh, guy, right? So, Yeah, but it's even more than that. He's just, I know a lot of, I mean, I a lot of guys from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, who weren't nearly as intelligent as him. He's just super intelligent, super knowledgeable. But his biggest strength, and he's much better at it than me, is he's really, really good at relating with people. He's always been really good at relating with people. He's, he's the one guy, he has a magic touch where it could be, some guy who grew up in the projects of Trenton. It could be some guy who played badminton at Yale and he just always gets along with them. He always gets them to open up. He's just, and I think it's his earnestness. He's just a really earnest, decent human being. I mean, you know, I've kind of top, a, top shelf. 
I have a kind of a funny story about Yale people not being as smart as you know people think. Because you know my brother played hockey at Yale, yeah. and we could start with him. He's not mm-hmm. you know that smart. Obviously, he wouldn't have went to Yale if he wasn't a hockey player. But <laughs> his really good friend on the team, like his roommate, is like his best friend. You know, is like the kid that like comes over in the summer and knows my daughter, my family. Like you know that kind of college friend is this kid named Kenny yep. Agostino, and he's he's playing in the NH between the NHL and the AHL. He's played on ten teams in the last five years. And it's funny because every time he goes to a new team, they assume that he's this really smart kid because he went to he played hockey at Yale, you know. And the media right. Right. buys into that, and I'll always see like the tweets like, "Oh, you know, Yale forward Kenny Agostino." And I know these stories like when he was, they were studying for exams, and he said to my brother, "Like, you know, will you cram with me for the U.S. History and Gout exam tomorrow?" My brother said, what? He's like, U.S. History and Gout, we have the final tomorrow. And he thought, you know how they'll abbreviate government, G-O-V-T? Yeah. He yeah, was yeah. all semester looking at that like it said gout. Wow. Does he know? He's Does he just... know that you're telling the story to the Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we tease him. We bust his business. balls. Yeah, we bust his balls all the time. Actually, when he was on my podcast with Adrian, the Lonely End of the Rink podcast, uh, we 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 drilled him right with it right on there, yeah, right to his face. Oh, I would never say anything behind his back. I wouldn't say to his face. He's like that kind of a person, right, right, right. But just not. I mean, he's just not That's that. Cool. He's not that smart. You know, it's just not. You know, it's not his. Uh, but academically, I mean, right. he's plenty but smart makes, in other that areas. Makes three of us. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't claim to be uh, Albert Einstein myself. But it's funny because, you know, there's just that assumption that he gets to carry with him, and. You know, seems like every time he goes to a new market, they 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 bite for it right away. Your kids smart, right? Right. Are your kids smart? Are my kids smart? Yeah. I mean, first of all, every parent, I'd have to be the worst dad in the world to say my kids are not smart. Okay. But that being said, both my kids, both my kids are A students. Okay. And uh, I would say, yeah, very very smart. I would. Yeah. Smarter than I am, actually smarter than I am, and I'm not just saying that. Both well, of them. Because so was my wife. I was really book smart but my wife wasn't but she was a much harder worker at school than me so she had to work a lot harder for her grades but she would get good grades and got a master's degree because she worked really hard so i was like oh i hope our daughter can be like like smart as me but work as hard as you you know because i i was arrogant about being smart and i was like oh i can do nothing and get a b and that was always good enough for me you know, or if she did nothing, yeah. she would get a C or a D. So she worked really hard and got A's. You know, so. Right. right. But yeah, I'm trying to figure right. out. Maybe if, she was smarter than you. Well, she worked harder. She's definitely not smarter, but she works harder. She's got a better work ethic than I do. Right. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out if my daughter's yeah. smart or not. And I was going on that thing that you said. You know, every parent thinks their kid is smart. So I'm trying to avoid that and be objective about it. But I think she's smart. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Right. Well, here's the thing. This I actually mean. Like, um, I always say, as your kids get as your kid gets older, that um, it gets kind of weirdly competitive. Not competitive, but people start talking about, well, this program and that program. My kid's doing this. My kid's doing that. And I always say, I say this all the time. Like, uh, I'd be waiting in the elementary school pickup area, and there'd be two dads usually, and it was me and the professional wrestler Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, no time. And then it would be, which is true. Yeah. Oh, you do? Well, I mean, I know him as a wrestler. Like, I know who he is as a wrestler. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm very familiar with this yeah, professional Yeah, he became career. a good friend. Yeah, that's so he, cool. He became a good friend, and, and we were the two dads. And then there'd be 
bunch of moms. And, and I always say, like, all right, so you have Tommy Dreamer, the wrestler. You have me, the sports writer. You have a couple of moms who went to Harvard, Yale, Princeton. You have a couple who didn't go to high school at all, uh, college at all. You have some who went to Syracuse, some who went to Pace. And we're all standing in the same courtyard picking up our kids. You're all at the same spot, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's all, like, it gets really crazy. It gets really crazy. Um, it just gets really crazy. It's, it's weird. So, to me, whether your daughter, you know, neither of my kids are probably going to Harvard. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. And I don't care. I just don't care. I want to enjoy their lives. And, you know, some of the most miserable people I know are some of the most intelligent. So, Yeah, I keep them away from Harvard anyway. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. I've been thinking about this a lot since we talked last time. We were talking about football for a buck, and I want to ask you some things about that too. But we're talking about you, you kind of said that that wasn't your number one, that your number one is a Tupac book. And mm-hmm. we were talking about, I was telling you this story about the Tupac song, Wonder Why They Call You Bitch, which is basically the only one I know. And I remember yeah. when we were talking, I was looking at the lyrics and we were kind of reading them back and forth and I was feeling real uncomfortable about it. And it made me think of my problem, why I don't enjoy hip hop music, why I don't never became a fan of it. And I wanted to ask you this. There was a controversy, I think, last year where the, a rapper brought a girl on stage to sing along to a song. And then inevitably, like nine words into the song, there was there was a nine word in it. And she sung along and said the word. And then he like humiliated her and like dressed her down for like singing mm-hmm. the word. Do you remember this? I don't actually. Okay. I'll take your word for it. But I'm just curious, like, where do you stand? Like, as someone who likes rap, like, do you, how do you relate to music that is full of lyrics that socially it would be unacceptable? Like, if you were rapping along to a song and maybe someone videotaped that and then it got out, like, couldn't that potentially be really damaging for you? And, like, how do you relate to that? Like, how does that become a passion for you? Like, because I was just curious because. That's something that keeps me from no, I I guess, being passionate and loving. I was just curious about that. Yeah, so that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. So um, I grew up in a very, very, very white conservative town. And it's kind of a cliche, but my best friend was one of the few black kids in school. And we really bonded over music. And he introduced me to, you know, Run DMC, uh, Big Daddy Kane, Tony, 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 which is more R&B than hip hop. But he really introduced me to these music genres. And I think... I gravitated to it for two reasons. Number one, because the music was just really good and unique. And number two, because it wasn't Bon Jovi and Aerosmith and the other mu- the music most of the kids were listening to. It was just different. It felt different. And it felt, I think, kind of rebellious. Public Enemy was another group. There's just something about listening to Public Enemy as a white kid in suburban, conservative, male-packed New York that really felt kind of rebellious and badass. And, and I love the music. And the, the thing is, like, so I don't use the N-word if I'm, even if I'm rapping along or song, I just kind of go, you know, a lot of NWA, a lot of Dr. Dre, a lot of Snoop Dogg drops the N-word all the time. I never do. Um, but I kind of view it like, like I'm allowed to tell a Jewish joke, but someone who's not Jewish can't, you know, like I don't have to relate. I would, I did not grow up in Compton. I was not a gangster. Um, I never called women hoes growing up. I didn't smoke a blunt. Like, but that doesn't mean I don't have to, I love country music. I never had a horse. I never had a pickup truck, you know, and I never wore tight blue jeans. So sometimes you can just enjoy the music and sort of allow this. I mean, there are some Tupac songs. It's just the lyrics are so good and so rich 
it doesn't matter that I, I couldn't, can't personally relate to it. It's just storytelling, you know? Do you know the Pearl Jam song, Not For You? I do not. Oh, yeah, I forgot you love Pearl Jam. No. I'm surprised. It's a, kind of a hit. So it's not like an obscure one. They played it on Saturday Night Live, actually, uh, a couple of days before Kurt Cobain was found dead. But anyway, it was basically a song written uh, about how the music that they were making was not for the people who were critical of it, that it was for the people who could relate to it, I guess. You know, it, it was more, it was, they were basically saying, like, to everyone listening, this is for you. And, um, you know, to those people who are saying we're, you know, spoiled, you know, kids who hate life when they have life by the ball. You know, all the criticisms of the 90, 90s Pearl Jam's Nirvana, yep. things like that. So it's kind of like a strike back. But I don't know, relating to music was always important to me. Sometimes I can enjoy music for like the melody or, or not even think about what it means, but for me to get close to it, or I guess like I'm passionate about music, so I can't get that passionate about something. But I was thinking about not for you because isn't like I've always felt like if you're putting words in a song that I that you feel like you if if you the writer are putting words in a song that you wouldn't want me to repeat in the car while I'm driving or in the shower while I'm singing, you're clearly saying like it's not for me. You know, so it's always just turn, yeah, I don't turn think, me um, off to it, I guess. Yeah, I don't think Chuck D or Dr. Dre or any of these guys. Well, because we didn't think that, that way thinking, then, right? I just don't think they're consciously thinking, I'm going to write a song and I'm going to make sure that white listeners can't sing along to it. I just think they're they're writing what they're feeling. And I think what's interesting, like, do you know the song Fight the Power by Public Enemy? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Fight the Power, it's one of my two or three favorite songs of all time. And, um, and there's another song by public enemy called black steel in the hour of chaos. Okay. That one uh, I know. Another now. great song. It's literally, Oh, it's so good. And it's a, it was one of my early, early favorite hip hop songs. It's basically about, uh, the guys in P are in jail and they, they have forced a prison riot and then they escape. I'm like, I am like as, has nothing to do with my life whatsoever, but maybe that's the fun of it. And the other thing is I was always really fascinated in civil rights history. Uh, when I was a Delaware, my major was history, and I really focused on the civil rights era. I just always felt sort of um, moved by it. So a lot of the songs talking about sort of fighting back and fighting for rights, I just think really sort of touched on that for me. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, w- I was a kid who grew up, you know, it used to be a thing where people would be like, you know, you would hear every now and then of someone like, oh, you just want to be black. Like I was a kid. They'd be like, oh, you just want to be black. And I'd be like, I don't want to be black or, or, or white or anything. I'm just really fascinated by hip hop. You know, I just always was drawn to it. I just always was drawn to it. So there you go. Interesting. Really interesting. Now I was just curious about mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, I guess we, I asked you about Tupac because we were talking about football for a buck. I've, this is another thing I've been anxious to ask you. The cycle is essentially mm-hmm. over for football for a buck, right? And it's different than most of your books because this time it was a passion project. It was almost like the one-year contract that the free agent signs that nobody wants, the kind of like the prove-me deal or whatever. Like, how do you feel like you did? How do you feel the book did? How do you feel about the experience, like looking back now? Uh, I feel really good about it. I um, I mean, it's the one book I, I'm literally staring at it right now just because it's on my shelf. But like... It, it's just, there's a lot of pride in putting up something that wouldn't exist if you didn't do it. You know, like someone was going to write a Brett Favre biography, someone was going to write a Walter Payton biography. At some point, those books are going to exist. Nobody was going to write a USFL book. That was going to the dustbin of history. And um, so I take a lot of satisfaction 
in making it sort of exist. And I also like, I really saw it as a test whether I can sell a book. Like, can I, through marketing, through maybe reputation built up over the years, et cetera, et cetera, take a book that wouldn't ordinarily sell? It's like wins above, it's, it's like the wins above replacement measure for books, right? right? If, did this book sell more with me writing it than if Lee Montville wrote it? Or Wertheim? Or Jonathan Eig? And I would say the answer is yes. Not because I'm more well-known by them, certainly not because I'm a better writer than them, but just because I busted my freaking ass to promote it as much as any human being on the planet could bust his ass. Like, I put everything I had into that book. I was exhausted by the end of promoting it. But I feel like wins above replacement. I feel like that book sold a lot more than the USML book should have sold in 2018. The people who published it, do they feel like they got a steal? You know what I mean? Like, did they, do you think that you made everyone who was around the project, like, feel proud of it as well? Like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's a weird thing to ask. But I do. Yeah, you do. No, definitely. Definitely. I think, uh, yeah, because they influenced money into it. Like, it was right. like a gimme for them. It was almost like um, publishing houses don't do this that much anymore, where they all, they'll just take a shot on a book. Like, the industry has changed a lot. It used to be, oh, here's this unknown author. We don't really know him, but you know, we'll give him 40,000 bucks to write a book about the time he played softball in the Navy. And we'll take a shot on that. But those kind of books don't really exist as often anymore. A lot of them are now independently published uh, because publishing companies are much more risk averse than they used to be. And um, this book was kind of an old school. We don't really think it's going to sell, but we'll take a shot on it because this guy, you know, he's been first before. So I think in the end, they were, I mean, they've told me, you know, this was, this exceeded all expectations. A lot of that, a lot of that, I'm not dumb. Like a lot of that related to Donald Trump being in the news and that sort of giving the book more of a national hook. Right. That's cool. Interesting. Yeah, that was, that. that's really interesting because I think that the Trump angle definitely helped you. Did Do you think that the, who is it, Woodward's Trump book came out the same day? That ended up being a non-issue, right? Yeah, I think pretty much a non-issue. Um, I was a little frustrated. I mean, I really think this book really explains Trump a lot and his sort of approach to things. Even if you like Trump, like just sort of the, I'm going to get my way and this is the way we're going to do it. And you, you know, like it or not, I'm charging ahead. Like I, I think even his supporter, his supporters would say that's a great part of him. His detractors would say it's a horrible part of him, but it's pretty undeniably a part of him. And I really think the USFL is just a prime, prime example of him early behavior of that way where I'm getting into the NFL. I don't care what you people say, this is how it's going to happen. And I'm going to do it. Um, and I was a little disappointed, I guess, if I was disappointed by anything that more people who covered the white house didn't sort of catch on to the parallels. You know, I know it sounds, it's like beggars can't be choosers, right. but I did feel like there was, there was a little more news hook to it than kind of got picked up. I think the know? problem I understand is, it cause it, Sorry, I was going to just say, I think the problem is he's the least interesting part of the book. The problem is that league is so interesting yeah. and everything around Trump in that book is so interesting. Like things like, you know, there's yeah. some guy in Florida who potentially is still getting payments on a million dollar thing he won in like 1984, you know, is really interesting right. to me. You know, the fact that Donald Trump is an asshole and, you know, yeah. maybe con some of these dumb owners of the football league wasn't that interesting to me. But maybe well, that's just me. Another but. problem is that um, why, why I also think a big problem is, is like the guy makes there's Trump news 17 different times a day. Right. So there's a lot of fatigue. Is the 18th going to be a book from 30 years ago? Oh, probably not. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I still think if it would have been so focused on that, I think that would have been bad for the book. Because of the fatigue factor. You know what I mean? I think that that being able to sell it as a part of the story as opposed to like the focal of the story, I think was a huge benefit. I think if it was the other way around, I think that would have hurt the book. You know? Because yeah. it, it would have been like the bookstore, right? Just like, you know, you said there's 17 stories. Do we need an 18th? Well, you go to the bookstore, 17 books about this guy. Do we really need this 18th one that has a football tie-in from 1984? Right, by someone who doesn't have a politics, you know? Yeah, I would agree. Interesting. The fatigue is, I can't believe that. Like, I remember thinking, like, oh, I can't wait for either him or Hillary to just win so we can move on from the election cycle. Mm -hmm. Like, how fatiguing that was. I remember that too. And yeah. then now it seems like it's starting again, but I don't remember ever being not fatigued by it. You know, like I just don't feel like we've. Yeah, there's, I know. And I don't even know if I even remember anymore when it started. Like, I don't even think. Tw- yeah. Like, I think this started like. I think maybe it started the night that nobody won the Bush Gore election. Like, I feel like that's almost maybe the so. night that yeah. politics in my life changed forever. Like, nobody won that night became this really crazy fight that was so weird and these kanging chads and became so weird and then the 9-11 happens and everyone loves this president for a few minutes and then by 2008 he's one of the most hated in my lifetime and then Obama comes in and you know how that went half and half at best and it just seems like it's never stopped I don't know I don't know if I can handle it forever. You think we'll ever have oh. like a Kennedy type president again? That's like, you know, maybe. Kennedy. I don't think Kennedy would be a Kennedy type president now. Yeah, you but could. I think um, I think I said I think I said this on your on your show last time. Like if I um, fire whoever Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, whoever it is who's going to be a, uh, a nominee, I would honestly run part of my campaign on you. I should not be in your life every day. Like you should not be thinking about me every day. That is insane. I'm not here to make news. I'm not here to burden you. Like, I am the leader of this country, but that does not mean I should become an obsession. I certainly don't want to be an obsession. Like, I actually run on the craziness of this whole idea that, like, the pre- you're going to be thinking about the president all day. It's going to either frustrate you or throw you, but you're always going to be thinking about the president. Like, just crazy. What do you think about the people who have gotten themselves so obsessed that they – like it's it's created some of the most insane behavior I've ever seen in my life. Like if it's really true that that actor, I don't even know who he is. I could probably can't pronounce his name. I've seen it in print a million times. But like if he really hired people to put him in a noose and pour bleach on him because he hates Donald Trump that much, wow. like, that's just so insane to me if that's really what happened. Like you know what I mean? I don't know what the truth is. Believe me, I don't. I'm not going to claim to I'm not calling the guy a liar. I have no idea. There's some strange, like it's strange to think that 2 a.m. in the freezing cold in the city of Chicago would be MAGA country or whatever he says they said to him. But like, I kind of stay away from things like that. You know, like I only know I don't know the details. But like, if that really happened, it's just like, could you imagine being that like such strange behavior? How could you hate someone that much? I have chosen, I have chosen not to um, pay attention to that story in any major way. Yeah, I've, uh, I've chosen basically the same thing. I mean, I know the basics. But how many things can you pay attention to? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that one. Crazy. What 
Did you see that there? Someone. This is funny. There's someone in New York wants to split New York into three ways. That there's potentially there's going to be legislate legislation like that will obviously fail, but they want to have New York City be one part, and then everything kind of north of New York City be New Amsterdam or something like that, and then like a third part of the state as well. You think we'll be splitting New York up into thirds anytime soon? I don't. They talk about that in California every now and then too, or they talk about just making California its own country. Just um, get it right out, <laughs> just right off, huh? California. We'd have like we'd have like the sixth largest uh, economy in the world, you know, and we'd actually be able to enact sensible environmental regulations. I could do great, without you know, California like, you know, personally. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, such a great place. I I've been there. Let's see. I've been there enough times to never go again because I don't travel travel internationally with the exception of Canada, within 100 miles of my house. Um, mm-hmm. So I would probably never go to California if it left the country, but I'd be fine. I mean, I, w- I don't need it. I mean... We're out. Then you're going to have to... If you want to interview me, you're going to have to make a long distance call. <laughs> it's going to be an international, international call. call. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't yeah. think... I don't think we're going to give it up. The country as a whole. You know, I don't think it's going to let it go easily. Because like well, you said, it would be the, be the sixth biggest... That would be a big chunk of the economy, I think. Out. Yeah, that would. But yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't think that's happening in New York, and I don't think uh, California is going away anytime no, soon. No, I think you're safe. Yeah, I think everyone's I think, safe. I think you're safe. And I, look, yeah. at, I would travel internationally if I f- wasn't afraid every day that I'd wake up and need my colon taken out. But if like if I have to get my colon taken out, I want it to be taken out in the United States. Like I'm not going to be in Aruba and wake up and need my colon out. Like that's just not going to happen. They they might have the greatest doctors in the world in Aruba. I have no idea. I'm just not risking it. I know the ones I have here are good. So, like, if it has to happen to me, you know what I mean? That's Some people are like, oh, what a typical American. You don't want to travel to other countries. Like, look at This is why. It has nothing. I'm sure those places are great. But, you know, if I, right. need, if I need vacation, there's, like, still 60 things in the United States I haven't been to that I'd love to see. So I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like, but... You know, people don't understand what it's like to potentially have to lose your colon at any point. So, um, yeah, what else do I want to talk to you about? How's the basketball book coming? You're writing now, right? It's good, actually. Yeah, I just started writing uh, last week. So, uh, it's a pain. It's hard to get back on the on the horse. But, um, you know, I love sitting in coffee shops. It's just hard. The internet makes it hard. Actually, um, I have Will Leach on my podcast in a couple of weeks, and he told me about this about this uh, app, not app, but this thing called Freedom, where um, you can block all internet for a set period of time and not unblock it. And uh, I added to my my computer. Uh, it's made a huge difference in my life. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. What's the longest yeah. you've done it for? I, I do it for like 40-minute increments, half-hour increments. Is the cheat that. there, though, that you're only blocking on that device, so you just, during that 40 minutes, just kind of slide your phone out of your pocket and... Start doing internet. Yeah, but I don't really enjoy. I don't enjoy browsing on my phone. Okay. Well, that's good. Because that's what I mean. I would just. <laughs> I feel like as a cheat, I would just slide my phone out and be like, "All right, let me read this athletic article on here instead to kill ten minutes." You know, or play Who Wants to yeah, Be a Millionaire or something. Let me ask. Yeah, let me. No, a, I don't do that. Good. Let me ask you some advice since you are a podcast host and a podcast guest. I am rarely a podcast guest, but I manage to weasel my way into being a guest on Richard Deitch's sports media podcast. Uh, because ah, nice. I, I pitched him an idea 
last time he was on my show about doing a podcast about podcasts. And you know how he does the the, the media roundtables where he'll get like you know a few different sports and they'll yeah. talk they'll talk about like who's going to get the rights to football in 2020 or whatever. And John Orland, yeah. you know. So I said, why don't you do one of those shows, but get podcast hosts and tier it so you have like an independent host like me. <laughs> and then get like a top dog, like someone from Pardon the Take or Bill Simmons, or get a top guy, and then get someone like in the middle, and let's talk about you know things that happen in podcasting and you know where we see it go. You know, like that's where you know I told him like yeah. you get the top, it's your show, you whatever you want to ask. But that was like the basic pitch, and he kind of loved the idea. And then he emailed me, he's like, "It's happening. This is the date when you're available." And I said, "Oh, I'll be available anytime." I actually got a phone a landline put in my house because i want to have a good phone connection like i was worried about cell phone issues or something like so we have a six month landline it's kind of weird uh but hosting to guesting like how do you make the transition and what what advice would you give me as a usual host who's going to be a guest and doesn't want to blow it i don't think you're how can you possibly blow it I don't know. I mean, if I'm no good, he's clearly never going to have me back, right? I mean, I want to do good. You know, like, I want to, like, and here's the thing. Like, most people who listen aren't going to know me, right? So I want to, you know, I want to make a good impression. I want those people to say, oh, he was intelligent or, oh, he sounded good or, I don't know. Interesting. You know, it's funny. Um, I have actually never been on his podcast. Uh, It's really good. I mean, you know, he's a really good He's a really good interviewer, like a really good interviewer. He's kind of mastered the whole podcast thing. So um, I don't think he's going to let you bury yourself or screw up. So I would just, I mean, I think the best guests I always think, uh, when I host my podcast, one thing I always say, I think the best guests don't give insanely long-winded answers. We're sitting there forever and ever waiting for them to stop talking. So I think, you know, you can be concise in your responses. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I think it takes a special personality that if they're long-winded, I enjoy it. You know, like there's some people I'll just let them go yeah. because they're they're made, you know. Like did you hear David Lee Roth on the Joe Rogan podcast? No, was he good? He was great because he just Joe Rogan just wound him up and let him go, you know, and he's diamond he was be he was in yeah. full Diamond Dave mode, you know what I mean? And he just talks yeah. and talks and talks, but you can't stop listening to him. And that show it's like 3 hours long, so I'm very guest dependent with that show. You know, if I don't know yeah. who it is, I'm not sticking around for 3 hours to find out if they're interesting. Which I've probably missed eighty percent right. of the good episodes because of that, but you know, like right. I only have so many three hour periods. You know what I mean? Like I have to pick and choose, whatever. But um, yeah, some people, right. uh, some people have had on, and they just go on and on, and I, I'm like, how do I get out of this? You know what I mean? But uh, so I don't want to yeah. be that guy for sure. Yeah, well, that's what I would say. Don't be that guy. Right. That's a that's the best. You know. Do you think I was going to be that guy? And sharp. Do you see me as that guy? Am I question- no, no. But you just said you don't want to be that guy. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Oftentimes people who, uh, I don't know, you know, like, generally writers, we just like, I think we tend to be better listeners and talkers, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, all- we're just so thrilled someone's asking a good question. Well, like whenever I was on a date or something, you know, I was always the one asking questions. I'd, I'd much rather hear from the like just in general. I mean, dating it doesn't even matter. But like you know, if I'm hanging out with my cousins or something, like I'm always just asking them questions. Uh-huh. You know, they uh-huh. they don't ask me much because I'm always the one kind of leading conversations, yeah. saying, "Well, tell me about this. What about this?" Because I'm really interested in things, but yeah. 
assume that people aren't that interested in me. Who's been the best guest on Two Writers Slinging Yang? Which is Jeff's podcast. Hmm. Best as in most interesting? I don't know. Just if someone said to you who's the best, who would you say is the best? I had a couple. I would say uh, I thought Wright Thompson was really, really good, actually. Um, actually, Miran Fader from Bleacher Report, who I, uh, I know really well. We did it live in L.A. She's a friend, and we did it in L.A. She was really, really good. But she's very honest about her. You know, she's young, and she's nervous, and she's kind of new at it. And I really like the insecurity of it all. And uh, I had Howard Bryant. Howard Bryant is, is the, the champ. Have you had him on your podcast? No, I never have. Man, he's great. He, he's probably the smartest guy in sports journalism. So he's really good. Interesting. Um, it's, been, it's been really fun. I wouldn't say who the worst are. Every now and then you have a guest and you're like, oh, no, this isn't going well. Right. You don't well, want to bury know. anyone after the fact. You know, like I. No. Yeah, because they, they gave their time and you appreciate that. Like, I know what you mean. Like, I don't want to bury anyone either because at the very least they gave their time to me. You know, if they weren't great, that it yeah. might have been my fault. Like, I might have just been asking the wrong questions. Exactly. Yeah. So I never. I once did. Um, I went to did Whitlock's podcast, and I always thought I thought he kind of sandbagged me. Where he said he it was on Peyton, that Peyton book came out, and he's like, "Yeah, I want to have you on." Jason wants to have you on to talk about Walter Payton. I said, "All right, sure." And then I'm doing the podcast, and it's just like really, really negative and kind of accusatory. Um, I don't mind hard hitting questions, but I just thought like he kind of brought me on, made it sound one way, and then really sort of hit me hard in a way I wasn't expecting. I, I don't really want to do that on my podcast. I never do that to people. He got really nasty with me on Twitter because I was sticking up for my friend Ed Sherman, who he was arguing with on there. So I just kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. I kind of jumped in, and I I didn't think I was. I just thought I was like just saying like adding to the conversation, yeah. <laughs> and he just he did not want me. He was like, I don't know who you are, but this is my America. That's what he said to me. I said, okay. he's, um, I said, okay, Mr. Whitlock. He's one of my greatest. Whitlock is probably my greatest disappointment in journalism. Interesting. Why? You know, because he's, uh, he's talented. Like, he's a really good writer, and he used to write some really good stuff. And somewhere along the line, he came to realize that sort of he's really become the guy, you know, like, He's become the guy who allows racist people to feel like they're not racist because they can say, how can I be racist? This guy agrees with me. He's saying what I'm thinking. You know, like, he just has become that guy. It's so discouraging to me. It's not even funny. I know a lot of a lot of African-American writers who feel the same way, that Whitlock is really, he allows the racist to feel justified in being racist. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, I was going to say that Bill Bill Simmons is disappointing to me. I thought you were going a different way, and that I always thought he was such a great writer, and I love reading him, but he never writes anymore. So that I guess yeah. so. I was way off. I thought you were going that way, like oh, he's not. He doesn't like. I thought you were saying like oh, he's this no. great writer who instead now just runs his mouth on TV, you know. But it was it's more about what he's saying on TV that disappoints you, uh, not that he's. So I was, I, yeah, you know. Simmons, I was dead wrong on actually. So when uh, when Simmons when Simmons left ESPN, I was a little critical of him. I don't remember where. Maybe I wrote something about him. I was asked about him, and uh, I just I was wrong actually. That guy reinvented himself. I think the Ringer's awesome. Oh, really I love it too. Sort of, you know, much like with yeah, it's great, and much like with uh, 
how the sports guy, he kind of invented this new thing. He really, really became a, like a forefather of the sports podcast. I mean, and now the ringer is really known more for podcasts and writing. And he, I mean, there's a podcast called the, uh, rewatchables. It's one of my favorite podcasts. He's the host of it, him and a couple of other guys. And, um, He's just reinvented himself. You know, he's figured out. I'm telling you, the thing in this business that like, gets harder and harder is to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. I see more every year, I see more contemporaries dropping off, dropping off, dropping off uh, because it's hard to stay relevant in this business. And Simmons has been able to stay relevant for a long, long time, way past the normal expiration date for a guy who's probably 51 years old. You know, as far as he still feels fresh, kind of cutting edge. He's never resorted to the Skip Bayless, Stuart, you know, Stuart Scott kind of stick. Um, I have a lot of respect for that guy. I really do. Here's the thing, though. Like my brothers hate him, and every, like the the pardon my take barstool crowd, like they hate Simmons. Like he's not cool. Yeah, I don't care. You know, I'm just saying. Like I don't. Yeah, but who cares? No, I don't care. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah. No, I know. I'm saying like, you know. Okay, I mean, it's like, like it's like what is ha- Hall and Oates might still sell out twenty thousand arenas, right? But. Right. There's still people, you know, so I think he's become one of those where he's very popular, but he maybe appeals to a certain demographic more than others. All right, but here's the problem. If you want to be relevant, if you want to be older and stay relevant. So if you want to be Simmons's age and be relevant with 25-year-olds or 18-year-olds nowadays, there's only, there are two ways to do it, I would say. Number one is to be a hyper, hyper expert. On a sport, so Adam Schefter, right, or Woj, Ken or something like that. Yeah, Tom Berducci, where people are turning to you to get information. Peter King, from maybe. Then your age does it does not matter. Right. Yeah. Right. You're your ages. And the other way is to go Stuart Scott, uh, excuse me, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, and yell at people mm. and just yell and yell and make up these opinions and pretend you're super hyper passionate about every single thing that ever happens in sports uh, and become a circus clown. So that's the other way to do it. Or Simmons doesn't do either of those. You know, so like, and also it's kind of interesting. I used to think of it this way. Like a band, a band sells a million copies of their album in Switzerland, but they only sell a thousand copies in the U.S. Someone out there is like, wow, they, they're really disappointing. It's like, yeah, but they sold a million copies in Switzerland. Like, yes, yeah, Simmons probably isn't as big with the 22-year-old anymore. The snark doesn't translate like he used to. But he's still one of the biggest names in sports media. He's still making a shitload of money. And he started a new product that's really good. After starting an old product that was really good, after starting another old product that was really good. I was going to say... I, my, I've done a 180 on over the years. One of the things he's the best at is hiring good people. Like, anytime I have someone from Ringer, great. Ringer on, they're always good. Like I'd never have a bad person. Yep. I'd never have one. And they yeah, all... Smart. By the way, they always person. respond to emails. If they can't come on, they write back and yep. say, no, thank you. Do you get this a lot where people don't yep. really say no to being a guest on your show, they either say yes or they just ghost you? Or are you maybe respected mm, enough that they'll... No. See, I think people don't have any respect for me because they don't know who I am. So I, don't, so I don't have that like built-in respect. So if I email someone, I could send them, you know, I could spend an hour on a really heartfelt pitch and they just totally ignore it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's... Or they'll say yes. I almost never get a no email. All right, I'll tell you... I will tell you one thing that's happened a lot lately. Uh, definitely for me and probably for other writers, I don't know, is I get, um, this is going to sound arrogant. I don't actually mean it even remotely on that one. I just think it's your numbers. Like, I get more, more requests to do this, do that. Can you blow up my book? Can you appear in my blog? Uh, can you do an interview on my blog? Can you do my pocket blog? Like, it's a nonstop, nonstop avalanche 
I have a request. And I actually said to my wife recently, uh, last week, I was like, I got to start saying no. I cannot, I can't keep doing all this. It's just too much. And I just think like, I mean, I, I, I've been around a long time in sports media. So most of the people I'm asking, I know that there's one degree of separation. Right. So they're going to um, give you that respect of at least a response. It, it, yeah. Yeah. But like, if they don't know you, you can write this great bitch and maybe they'll respond and they're like, I don't know this guy who gives a shit and just move on. I'm not saying that's right. Oh, I think it's horrible. Though. I could never do that to anyone. Mm-hmm. I would always at least, yeah. like, I get, I even get a three word email. Sorry, I can't. And I feel like so good about that. Like, wow. Okay, great. All right. Yeah. But like, let me, let me, all so, right, I had this happen recently. Someone, someone wrote, go ahead. No, you go. I was finished. I was, someone wrote me a letter. Someone wrote me and said they wrote a book. They wrote a book about uh, parenting. But a family, it's some uh, like a memoir. I never, I never heard of the guy. He's like, can I send you my book? I'd love you to take a look at it. And I said, yeah, sure, you can send it to me. And he sent it to me, and I never had a chance to read it. I just never had a chance to read it because freaking life is busy, right? And um, there are two ways you can go when the guy emails you and says, "Hey, have you had a chance to look at my book?" You can say, "Oh yeah, I looked at it. It was really great. Congratulations." Or you can say, "I'm just going to be honest. I never had a chance to read it, and I don't know if I'll be able to." And there are times, and I'll just say, I'll look at two pages and say, hey, I looked at it, it looks really good. And this time I was totally, I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to be honest, I don't have time. And I could tell he was really insulted and really hurt by that. And maybe I should have just said from the beginning, eh, it probably doesn't pay to send me a book because I probably won't have time. But I feel like such an asshole doing that. But then I feel like an asshole being honest and saying I just didn't have time to do it. And I feel like the best resolution would have been to be for shit and say, uh, yeah, it was really good. You know, nice job. Because I feel like that's what most people want to hear anyway. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. You know? But I guess in that case, he spent money to send it to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. You're so, right. So I, I, You're right. I almost can understand why he'd be insulted a little bit. Whereas sure. I wouldn't understand my point of view if I was insulted by someone saying no to me, by saying I don't have time. Like sometimes I'll ask you six yeah. times to come on before you come on. I'm never insulted that you said no the yeah. other five times. I just assume, oh, he's busy. He can't do it right now. You know, now we have a little bit of a usually come on, though. Yeah, usually, oh, yeah, usually. No, 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 I'm not saying you're not. But you sometimes say I can't this week or whatever. And I'm just saying I'm not offended yeah. by that. Jeff Passon's another guy will often say to me like, oh, I'm going to be in this place in like three weeks. Can we do it then or something like that? And I'll be like, yeah, all right, let's do it in three weeks. You know, or I don't think it would right. be right of me to be insulted. What does insult me is just the fact that people are out there just ignoring me. Like, because I just think, right. especially something like an email, it's so incredibly quick to just write back and say, I'm sorry, I can't right now. Jeff. Yeah. Send. You. you know what I mean? And just to me, like, that just yeah. shows a level of respect, I guess, to another human being. Because I just, I guess I do yep. try to be respectful of other human beings. And I do understand that, like, all right, this guy's email inbox might have 6,000 emails in it. And maybe they just missed it. You know, like, so I do leave that yep. level of doubt for them. But, uh, you know, there's sometimes you I know, also think your podcast is more of a commitment. Your podcast is more of a commitment than most. Like, most of like, can we get you for 20 minutes? I feel like the shorter you ask for, the more time you get with someone. Or, you know, the more likely they are to come on. Right. Well, I, I don't go this long with everyone. Like, we go long because I think oh, we just start – we just start – like, if I if I email someone and say, will you come on and talk about the first six months of the baseball season or something, 
That's probably a 20 minute conversation cool. when we're doing what we're doing right now, where yeah. we're just like, let's talk about this. And we talk about that. Like there's no natural beginning and end to that. Right. Look, we have to end because, right, right. oh, shit, it, it's been this long, so let's stop now. Like, Jeff probably has something else he wants to right. do. You know, we're, I guess, like, me and you are kind of doing more of, like, a barstool talk. Uh, not the podcast, but the... Bar stool. No, uh, I mean, like, like at a bar. Like, sitting on bar stools. Like, those right. actual things. Like, uh, at a bar. Yeah, like, we're, we're doing more of a conversation at a bar, is how I should have put it, uh, where we're just kind of talking about shit. You know, and when you meet your buddies for a right. drink, you might do that for two, three hours. You only stop that because you have to go, right? Where right. in other right. in other kinds of interviews, I stop them because I had about nine questions and I asked them and it's like, all right, so he thinks North Carolina is winning the NCAA tournament. We got it. You know, he doesn't think Zion should right. play anymore this year. Okay. Got the college basketball scoop. Thanks, buddy. You know? So I don't know. Right, right, right. And those are good too, but I think people like these the most. You know, nine, nine, yeah, nine times out of ten, when I ask someone who their favorite guest on is this show, they'll say Perlman or Deitch or Passan. The guys that I have more of a, a rapport relationship with where we just kind of talk like this. That SL Price is right. maybe another one, you know, where yeah. I always reach out to him to talk about something. And we sometimes – like Jeff Passan, I, we almost never talk about baseball. We okay. always We always forget to talk about baseball. Like we get on about – like, I'll ask him about something, and we'll start talking about that. You know, it's like this, I guess. Um, Jeff Perlman. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, Jeff Perlman is writing a book about the Lakers. Kobe Bryant's Shaq era. Football for a buck uh, is still available. Is the paperback coming out soon? Is it almost paperback time for football for a buck? Uh, September. Probably, I think probably September. Are you going to do, do anything new? Is there going like, to be a new chapter or anything? Uh, no, there's nothing new. I feel like you should find cover, you think. should find the guy who won that contest. Do a cha- like you should find oh, yeah. someone like that and like do a yeah like one of those anecdotes. You like, want to write the Laker book for me? <laughs> you can write the Laker book for me. I'll be happy to. And an athletic column. You probably got yeah, one of those coming soon, right? <laughs> and, uh, I don't do those anymore. You're done with, no, the, athletic? Done with the athletic? Oh no! Done. February was I'm your done. last one. Yeah, I think so. Oh That's no. It. Well, that's disappointing. I'm not going to renew now. They're out. I haven't done a column for them in a long time. I, thought, I just looked. Yeah. You wrote one in February, I thought. I wrote one piece. It was a freelance piece. They don't really use national columns anymore. They kind of decided. I don't think they're wrong necessarily. They, but the business model doesn't really show that they get much off of have running sort of national, national specific pieces. Like they'll run stuff on the national page that maybe, maybe the guy covering the Brewers would do a piece on whoever. And then it's, they like it enough to put on the national page too, as opposed to just assigning stuff in the national page. So, yeah, you wrote February tenth. You wrote a UC Irvine piece. Yeah, it also doesn't pay. They don't. Pay, pay. Uh, I got two hundred fifty bucks from like fifteen hundred dollars. No, they don't. They pay well for staffers, but for freelance, it's not so great. So I gotcha. Not gotcha. But you I'm not mad at all. The zero. I think the. I think the product is great. I think they're smart what they're doing. I wouldn't pay for national either. It's just hard to justify uh, putting that. I put a lot of work into that piece. It's just hard at the end of the day to say, yeah, that's worth it. Did, were you the one who wrote the column I read about how you did it for basically nothing and kind of broke it down like by word, by penny or something? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That was you who wrote that. Because I know I read that. and I, yeah. I have a friend who I won't yeah. name, but I bet people who listen know who I'm talking about, who kind of didn't get hired by them. And I think he's he's not happy about it for sure. And um, so he loves to to needle them a little bit. But he was telling me that 
like he tracks this stuff. Like they've had less and less hockey writers going to road games. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if it's working. I guess forget like forget that guy. But I just wonder in general if it's I don't working. know. I did, but I gotta say you'd um, you'd have to be sort of. I don't know. Like to, I can't root for anything but it to succeed. Oh, for sure. The massive number of people they have. So. Oh, I root for it to succeed. Why wouldn't I? I mean, I have no. I'm not even saying that guy's rooting for it to fail. Yeah. I'm just saying he does love yeah. to point out when it's not good. Uh, but um, yeah. it does feel bloated to me recently. You know, like yeah, I'm having know. trouble. You read it that much. I'm having more trouble finding stuff on it. Anyway, I was going through your stuff. Uh, football for a buck. Uh, paperback in the, in the fall. No new material. He's busy. Uh, two writers slinging slinging Yang as a podcast, which you can find on Apple and Stitcher and probably all those things, and uh, JeffProman.com where you can find the Quaz, which I can't believe I haven't been on yet. Sometimes I see some of the people you Quaz. Oh, yeah. and it you just, know, I need new Quazes. It I'll just disgusts me that some of the people I see on there, I just like I can't believe it. I can't believe I can't get a Quaz. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? You didn't pay me the fifty bucks. I'll pay you fifty bucks to be a quaz. I th- it's absurd because that's probably fifty Dumb, more man. than anyone else who's ever been on the quaz. I will donate twenty five dollars to the most liberal cause you can think of in exchange for a quaz. How about that? Oh man, yeah, the Jewish journalists of Southern California is Jewish journalists still liberal? I thought liberals have turned on the Jews, or is that is that just what the the media is saying? That's what the media is. That's what the media. We're all Jewish. Liberal. Jews are liberal. Yeah. Do you like uh, what's her name from New York? The, yeah, really. I, mean, I don't love everything. I don't. I feel like I. I feel like she. Um, you kind of got to walk before you can run a little bit, and I feel like the the spotlight. You know, Bob Lee once called. He, he once said to me that uh, people get in love with red light fever, and he meant people get in front of the camera, and all of a sudden they change. And I feel like she definitely has a little red light fever, but I, at least she's passionate. And I, again, like people are like, oh, she's a socialist. Well, the guy who voted for for president of the United States might have freaking, uh, you know. Uh, Conspired with Russia. with a foreign... Yeah, so I'm just saying, sure. like... Well, on. here's the thing, I don't need, I, But let's not talk about this. No, let's not. Let me ask you one thing about her, just because I was just curious if you liked her. But isn't she but kind I don't live of... in New York anymore. Isn't she kind of like a Democrat Trump? Isn't she very similar, where she is loose, really loose with facts? She's great with social media and the media in general. She talks a lot. She loves to make it to be about her. Like, she just feels like a... I don't... Liberal Trump to me. I feel like she has integrity. I actually feel like she has integrity. Oh, I don't think we know it that. Doesn't yet. mean I agree with everything she says. Yeah, I don't know I, if we know that. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, okay. I'm just that's giving mine. I don't know if we know that yet. All right. Um, well, where was I on the plugs? Uh, the podcast, the quaz. Yeah, you got it all. The book, I got it all. Yeah. What else? Give yeah. me a parent uh, fathering tip. That's it? Before I let you go, just give me one. What am I doing wrong? I got to be doing something wrong. I know you don't see it, but you got to assume. It. What's a mistake I got to be making? Guys like me, you see them. They got a two and a half year old. They think they're doing something. How everything right. She's two and a half. She'll be three in June. Okay, here's the best tip I can give you. Okay. Um, so got to be fucking something. Nobody gives a shit about. You. Nobody gives a shit about your kid. So like, oh, I know that. When you're telling uh, someone, yeah, do you know that when you're telling someone how your kid did this or said that, or nobody cares. Like with my first kid, I was a guy who was like, oh my gosh, lose the words to so and so song. And I'm sure people are like, I don't care. But I was like, no, it's so cute. You got to see it. Like, that's something I learned as a parent. Nobody cares about your kid except you and maybe your parents. That's it. So, like, don't brag. Don't tell us that's you there. Don't show us her saying all the words to 
stutter by kiss like nobody cares. It's just not that impressive. Okay, but what about... That's true. I get that. I totally get that. Um, But what about, like, something that I'm doing that's screwing her up? You know what I mean? Like, what am I fucking up as a dad? Like, that's, like, something I'd be screwing up as a friend. You know, like, when you're at the bar. um, Like, I don't want to screw her up. You had my wife on the show. Yeah. um, I have her book. I look at it often. She's very good at this. Yeah. Yeah, her book is great. But you're um, a dad. Like, I want a dad I mean, thing. What is something you look... What do you see other dads doing? And you're like, oh, I would have... Rookie mistake. I did well, that with Casey, but... I don't think... I wouldn't do that. No, with... I don't think you do this. But but the number one thing is like... Well, number one is I hate dads who are disappointed in having girls. But I know that's not you. Number two is you got to dive completely in. So, like, my daughter was doing my nails at a very young age. My daughter's putting makeup on me at a young age. I was doing tea parties with my daughter at a young age. Um... Whatever it is, just dive right in. Don't become, don't be the dad who like your wife gets certain duties because of some gender connection. It's such bullshit. Like jump right in and be the dad who's who's getting as much makeup on as your wife is, and like have fun with it. And you know, some of my best memories of my daughter were tea parties. And also, like another thing I'll tell you is like you're probably not there yet, but like I would always every uh, Christmas season, and we're Jewish, but every Christmas season. We'd take my daughter out of whatever school she was in, and we'd go to the city. We'd have a fun day in the city. We'd have the best day in the city. And it was like, forget school. You're coming with me today. And, uh, you know, you got to do stuff like that. You have to have to do stuff like that. It's very important. Were you home a lot with either kid? Were you ever like the at-home guy? Yeah, because that's my role. We both were. My wife and I both worked. Okay, yeah. yeah. My wife and I both worked from home. Yeah, I'm home with my daughter every day, you know, and... um, It's great. Yeah, but see, the bad thing was when I got sick in the fall, I was in the hospital for, I was in the hospital for six or seven days. Man, she got freaked out. She got really bad, like separation anxiety. And then when I came home, she wouldn't leave. And, uh, like, she wouldn't leave the house. Like, she was real nervous that she would leave and then she'd come back and I wouldn't be there. Um, Now, then she forgot about it in, like, three days. You know what I mean? Like, they forget so quick. But now she's got me freaked out. No, I don't think so. But I, you know, I just feel, I was saying this one last thing a couple of shows ago, like, you know, I feel like we get, we're gifted this kind of blank canvas, you know, and then we're forced to paint on it and you just, I like, I'm trying to be steady and I'm trying to paint a nice picture, you know, and when she's 18, I want her to be the Mona Lisa, you know, and I'm worried that she's going to be 18. She's going to be a, you know, a stick figure with her hand, arms raised in a V and yep. Lemon Yellow Sun and, you know, this shitty picture of Jeremy or something. I don't know. You can't, uh, you can't, there's no avoiding certain things. Like, I write to my daughter now, she's 15, and she's a great kid. She really is. I'm, I'm ridiculously proud of this girl. But, like, you know, like, she has parts of me in her. Like, she gets nervous about certain situations, just like I did. And you, you work hard to make, like, all right, my son, another example. My son's a great kid. He does not have a competitive bone in his body. and He like does not care about winning and losing at all. It does not matter to him. And it's actually a beautiful thing. But it'd be nice every now and then if he cared a little bit. But we sort of instilled in him from a very young age, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just have fun. Just have fun. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, now he doesn't worry about it at all. <laughs> and it's good. It's actually good. I would take that over the other in any day of the week. But like every now and then, it would be nice in a close game when a coach is trying to talk to the entire team for my son to actually have a moment of intensity. And that's just not him. So, you know, you, you do your best, but you, you're not going to be perfect. 
You know, I was just thinking is every once in a while I send you a picture of Paula. I gotta remember you don't care. I gotta remember you don't care now going forward. For some reason it's I'm not that. So for some it's reason I'm tricked into thinking saying, like, like we know each other as dads or something. I just wanna say, Hey, look not, at this picture or something. Oh my god. No, that's all right. I know. Now you're uh now you're turning it on me. That's <laughs> not what I mean. I'm just saying nobody wants to hear a million stories about you. Including your parents or whoever. Nobody does. All right, Jeff. It's at Jeff Proman on Twitter. Yeah. And uh Jeff yep. Thanks, man. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for getting me out of bed. All right. Have a good evening. All right, man. I'll talk to you Bye. later. I was a little too tall. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering out. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high All right, I want to thank Jeff Perlman for being on the podcast today. Nothing to promote, really. Just kind of came on to chat and hang out, and I always love doing that with Jeff. Uh, where we picked up last time on the podcast, I was telling you about my attempt to get uh, Matt Zoller sites on the podcast to talk about uh, his book that he wrote uh, with Adam uh, Alan Steppenwall. And I wrote back to him. I said, I figure I'd give this one last time. I'd still love to do the spot. Not sure what happened this weekend. Let me know if we can work it out. He wrote back. He said, hey, Stephen. Sorry, I got too much going on, and I'm letting some things fall through the cracks. Let's set something for later in the week, maybe Thursday. I'll just try again sometime in the future. Unless you want to record tonight, about an hour from now. Well, by the time I had gotten that email, an hour from now it already passed. And I didn't really want to wait around, so I figured I'd go for the future option on that, and I'm just kind of moving on. Um Hey, at least the guy writes back. I'll give him that. So, all right. The book club is ready to focus on a big one. Uh, one of the all-time great book club books of the month, of course, was Console Wars, uh, which went on to be one of the book club books of the year. Uh, and the author, author of that is Blake J. Harris. His new book, which he spent five years working on, is called The History of the Future, Oculus, Facebook, and the Revolution That Swept Virtual Reality. Uh, I just started it. It's very packed with information. Like I said, he worked five years on this. Uh, It's getting a lot of good buzz. Blake is out there promoting. You'll see him on a bunch of different shows. Uh, I'm just really excited. It's a topic I don't know a lot about. I hear that Facebook is kind of the villain of the group. I'm all for anything where Facebook is a villain. Uh, So we're going to spend a few weeks with this being the book club book of the week book of the month, and then we'll have Blake on when I finish reading it. I have a copy of this to give out. Uh, It would be a great Easter gift or Father's Day gift. Uh, So if you're interested in a copy of the book, email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com, and I will pick someone to be the owner of a copy of The History of the Future by Blake J. Harris, Oculus, Facebook, and the Revolution That Swept Virtual Reality. The book club is going to focus in on this. Blake is a good friend of the show, a really good guy to me. Uh, I really appreciate kind of the friendship we struck up when we were promoting console wars. 
and console wars always have a special place in my heart because i read it while i was in the hospital it kind of kept me busy and kept me occupied when i was in the hospital once uh and blake is just a great writer and i'm excited to kind of jump into this uh and see what he spent the last five years doing i've actually read a few chapters here and there when he sent me uh some chapters so um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. You can follow Blake on Twitter. He's at Blake J. Harris NYC, or you can go to BlakeJHarris.com for more information. Uh, the book's official on sale date was February 19th. So it's available now wherever books are sold. So we're going to get into it and we'll have Blake on and I'm looking forward to talking to him. With all that said, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a friend of mine named Eric Hawk. I kind of mentioned in the open that Eric is the president of Western New York roller hockey. Uh, which is a really big roller hockey league that plays in the summer here in Buffalo uh, at the Northtown Center, which is uh, like a four-pad ice rink in Buffalo. And every summer they take the ice out of one and put the roller rink in, and Eric's group runs the leagues there uh, with Jason Flowers as well, who we talk about in the interview. I thought he'd be interesting to have on because he has a really interesting story to tell. And the interview really isn't – there's some specifics to Buffalo roller hockey – uh, that will kind of us nerding out uh, maybe, you know, five or ten minutes in the interview is that. But really, it's just a really interesting business sort of interview about how he went from a player on the team to the owner and how he's going to promote, how he's going to get kids to play roller hockey in the fight uh, Fortnite era um, and things he's doing with technology, how he's presenting the game. It's really interesting on how to sell, how to how to run a business, how to grow a business. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, so I don't think you need to know Eric or need to know Western New York United, or excuse me, Western New York roller hockey uh, to be interested in it. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. And when it's done, I'll be back on the other side uh, for plugs and one last thing. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back uh, with Eric Hawk. <laughs> Spend my days with a woman unkind Smoke my stuff and drink All my wine Made up my mind Alright, our next guest is a friend of mine. He's actually in studio. We don't get a lot of in-studio guests, but I made him drive out from his mansion in Wales to... Uh, to uh to the podcast today a warm sportscasters welcome for the first time to eric hawk what's up eric hey steve what's up buddy how you doing bud i'm doing good man i'm doing good so i think you were you you had said you wanted to be on and you didn't think you were interesting but i think you have a really interesting story to tell which is why i wanted to do it so let's go back let's give some background so you grew up in buffalo uh, I actually grew up in Lockport. Grew up in Lockport. Yep, grew up in Lockport and then uh, moved out to Cheektowaga area when I was uh, about 23. 23. So you grew up in Lockport, which people who don't live here, I mean, if you live in Lockport, you tell people that you live in Buffalo. Pretty much, Like yeah. you cheer for Buffalo sports teams and you, I mean, Sabres. relatively speaking, right, Sabres. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, so I assume you grew up playing hockey here. Did you uh, play in high school? Or? Yep, yep. I did play uh, hockey for Lockport High School. Um, you know, sports my whole life. Sports has basically been my life. That's all I did when I grew up. When did you first get involved with roller hockey? Now I assume it was the then Buffalo Wings at the time, the Dimitrovic era. 
pretty much. Yeah, it was a Dimitrovic aerial. Um, I don't even know if you know this, but there used to be a roller rink in Lockport called Lockport Sports Arena. I remember it, yeah. Okay, so yeah. so basically living in Lockport, you know, I was always a big ice hockey guy. Um, this new concept of roller hockey started coming around, and the Lockport Sports Arena opened up. I started playing, and I just fell in love with it. You know, it was a different concept, four-on-four, four, no offsides, no icing, um, just wide-open format. And um, I started doing both for quite a while. You know, I'd play ice, roller, whatever I can get my hands on. I'll play any any kind of hockey. And um, so I was doing that for quite a while. And, um, you know, this is aside from the wings. This is just kind of my own thing, just, you know, playing some hockey. And um, the sports arena actually closed down unexpectedly. People just showed up one day and the doors were locked. <laughs> so that was game over there. Um, by that point in time, I did, you know, meet some of the Buffalo Wings guys and kind of get going there. So had they started the travel teams yet? They did. Yeah, okay. they did. We actually had a travel team out of the Lockport Sports Arena that competed against the Wings for a while. They weren't that good. We usually got it handed to us pretty good. But, um, you know, I, I did meet a lot of the Buffalo Wings guys, you know, Flowers, Perkins, Shashelsky, all that stuff uh, at that point. So then you end up... <clears throat> playing for the wings eventually yeah i did so that lockport closes down and you get a chance to play on the travel teams for dimitrovic correct and that's kind of your start in the organization pretty much yeah if i don't know if you remember back then like tryouts used to be a big thing yeah no i remember because i was playing high school for city honors and play i started playing at mineral kind of the same thing like you know it was near my house i would i would see it by the through we would drive by the throughway all the time and i'd say to my mom i want to call them because I was always like, what do they play on? Yeah, yeah. It was like a mystery to me because I'd never been in the place. You know, didn't really know roller hockey. And then friends of my parents had adopted a kid. And they were looking for something to put him in. And they had kind of mentioned the hockey league there. So my parents were like, will you play too so that this kid knows someone? So that's kind of how. So I'm like, sure. So they signed me up for the Saturday morning league, which back in 1998 was a really competitive league and like the top team you know jesse zatara and um oh, they had some studs like name they were, sounds familiar now it, were they playing on blacktop back then this is blacktop i thought era. so i thought yeah so. so this is blacktop era which was a disappointment when i got in there when i was yeah. wondering what the surface is gonna well be. At, at the time sport court was so new it probably wasn't even that big of a deal like if you showed up to a rink now and you're playing on blacktop you're gonna be like what the heck i was there the day mineral got their sport court but anyway so so i started playing there and i'm the first practice, I'm looking around. I'm like, this team's terrible. You know, and this kid who ended up being Mike Trembath comes out to me and he's like, will you be on my line? You're the only other kid who looks any good. And I'm like, all right. So we ended up playing in that Saturday morning league and building it up. And then my like very last game before my, during my senior year of high school, we finally won the league. Like for the one time we won, it was like my last chance, whatever. But then I remember like, I won it, and then Mike was the first one who tried out for the under-18 wings. And he made it, but then he didn't make it through the season. I think he played the first tournament or maybe what the What was Mike's last name? Trembath. So he was on the under-18 team. Gotcha. And um, he might have played the whole first season. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they replaced him. Uh, maybe they were scratching him. He was, like, a, a, on the fringe of the roster. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he, he played or whatever. But so that's how we got. And then... Dimitrovic said to us, if you want to play, you need to be individuals in our gold league. And if you're doing well, that's how you get noticed. I think I tried out one time and I knew Nick Buser really well. Yeah, yeah. And I was pretty good at the time, like as good as I was ever going to be. 
And they kept a couple kids that I was probably better than, but they were already Brandon Soto. Oh, yeah, I remember Soto. You know, like, I was better Scroll than him. Scroll used to call him. Yeah, I was better than him, but, like, Dimitrovic knew him. Yeah, I know what you, you know politics what I mean? get involved a little bit. And yeah. I, I, was a border, I was borderline. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he said to me, if you were under 18, I would have taken you for the under 18 team. Gotcha. And he's like, I thought about taking you. He's like, but I might not play you all the time, and I know this kid doesn't mind if I sit him. You might cause a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was no, honest definitely. about yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, he was. He, was, he was always high energy and honest. You know, that was uh, that was definitely an attribute to him for sure. So you're playing with uh, on that team, playing with those guys. Dimitrovic turns into, who was the little guy who had the truck? Shorter guy had a red truck. Ran oh, the show for a while. Was it Art Russo? Art, yeah. Yes, yep, Artie Russo. So Art takes the helm. Well, who owns it at the time? Uh, Jason Klein. So he was the owner straight through till you? Correct. Okay. Because I remember... Okay, so Klein is the owner. Dimitrovic's kind of the main man. Dimitrovic leaves. Dimitrovic left... Um, I believe he st- went and worked for Narch for a while. Okay. And then State Wars, and then he floated around. But um, So Dimitrovic left, and I believe Art was, Art was next, in the driver's yeah. seat for a short amount of time. I have a great Art story. Okay. All right, so we have a team in the league, and uh, Siebold's on the team. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Siebold is getting hounded. Like, it's one of those games where he's got probably six goals and eight hacks. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, because, like, sometimes he's unstoppable. He was an animal. In his prime, when y'all. he wanted to go, he, he was, was one unstoppable. Of the best. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, so he comes down on a breakaway, and he gets hacked, and he looks, and it didn't get called, and he breaks the glass with his stick. I was there for that, and I yeah. remember it was down by the uh, corner office. Yep, right there. Yep, yeah. I remember that. And, uh... So after the game, Art is like, "What the fuck, man? You know, like don't, that pay, we, that's not free." Yeah, yeah. And he he gave him a bill for like four hundred bucks or something. Justin's like, "I'm never paying this." Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "All right, well, we'll rip it up right now if you play for our team." Wow. I, so that's how Justin was a wing for a month or whatever. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize that to to avoid being prosecuted in civil court by Art for the four hundred dollar pane of glass. He agreed to two tournaments or three tournaments. I remember that. I don't know if I was possibly playing in that game, but I remember seeing him do that. Yeah, I was trailing it. Like I was trailing the play. You know, so I was on the rink, so I'm trailing the play, and I see him make the curl to come back up the rink, and he just smashed his yep, stick yep. into the glass shattered. and then shattered. Yep, yep. And then he threw the stick up into the stands. I remember, I remember that. that. Absolutely. And I uh, went to the bench, and... Um, Oh, the whistle blew. I don't know what. Ha- I don't really remember what happened after that. If they replaced it right away, if they called the game, if we finished. I don't really remember. I honestly don't either. But I do remember seeing that thing just shatter and go all over the floor. And so then, I think I don't play for a while. Oh, I went to college. Probably it was like away at college. Wasn't playing. And then when I come back, it's you and Flowers are kind of like in charge of this somehow. Yep. Yep. And Jason Klein's still the owner. How does the transition where you guys? Are the new art? Was there someone in between yep. Art and you guys? Or? So basically, what happened is I don't know the full story on Art. I know he had a brief stint there. At that point, I was more or less just a player, you know, kind of um, not labeled a captain, but you know, getting tournament teams together. Me and Flowers always kind of did that. So um, there's a guy named Ryan Bellevue. Bellevue. Him, I don't know. Yep. So he was uh, in here. He was here from Canada, and I don't even know how he got linked up. He's kind of a powerful personality guy. So he was at the helm for maybe a year or two, 
And at that point in time, you know, he was sitting around really trying to get this thing built up, and he called me, and he wanted me. So I should say, too, what it is is there's travel road hockey teams, there's house road hockey teams, house leagues, and then there was also, like, at one time, like, a pro team. Now, that was a a begun era by now where we are in the story. Yep. But there was a team that actually played at the arena in Buffalo, and then, you know, that evolved to this, like, youth league where there was, you know, leagues right from adult down to youth and then there was also the travel teams which we were just talking about which were huge back then which were huge huge real competitive but it was still i think that was still and you'll probably agree with this an era where there was more roar you either played one or the other there wasn't as much crossover with the top especially the top players like usually if you were a top roller hockey player you probably played ice hockey but you're done with that part of your life yep yep where yeah now there's more of a crossover where people play both i remember there was a stigma where it was like you were going to learn bad habits at roller hockey. Yep. Whereas opposed to you can develop skills at roller hockey. Correct. Yeah, it was definitely. So that, that, ch- that perception's changed now. It's st- it, is, it has changed to people that are knowledgeable. Still fight both. it. Yeah. Absolutely. There's still some of these top ice guys that have the same perception. They think roller hockey, street hockey. Right. We're going to develop bad habits. Yep. And- yep. Absolutely. And, you know, I've kind of tried to make it a point of all these you know big name guys that have played roller hockey conikers right. and terry's and pat maroons and um bobby ryan's i mean there's McCollum. there's mccollum i mean yeah. there's just so many people uh the kid that anthony recruited anthony at rpi what the hell's his name i mean anthony's another one i mean anthony's yeah. fantastic at roller hockey anthony uh at R- when he's at rpi there was J- jerry Domingo and then this other Zarbos. kid brandon uh he's um He's in the NHL on and off right now. Peary. Peary, yeah. Yes, He's yeah. a big roller hockey dude, right? Oh, dude, he scored the game winner for the Revision Pro team. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's been putting the puck in the net, too. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've, you know, he's got a hell of a shot. Yeah, him, him. and Domingo were at RPI, and they were really recruiting Anthony hard. And um, he he said to him, like, he said to Anthony, he's like, don't, you know, don't come here. Like, you're going to find, there's a better spot for you somewhere else. He's like, yeah. this program. And they've... Since those two kids left, that program's in the shitter. Dropped, but, huh? But, uh, yeah, anyway, so, um, okay, so let's go back to where we were. So you, Russo leaves. There's this other guy I don't know, the I don't even guy in the yep, intermediate. Ryan is his name. Okay. I don't even know how he got linked up. But so somehow, how is it that you guys end up so, in this power position? So Ryan um, Bellevue from Canada contacted me, and he needed some assistance, you know, as he's trying to build this thing up. So I used to drive to his house every morning, and, you know, it was back in the day, like, instant messenger and stuff like that. We're trying to message people, hey, we got a lead going, this and that, and, you know, trying to get everything going. So you started actually kind of working for him. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So I started working for him, and like I said, he was from Canada. So this probably went on maybe for a year, a season, and he was going back to Canada. Where were the – was it at Pepsi Center at the time still? It was. No, we were actually at Nichols. Okay. We were actually at Nichols, and he lived around the corner from there in a little apartment. I had a motorcycle at the time, so I'd cruise up there early in the morning, and, you know, I'm kind of sitting around watching my <laughs> instant messenger. And, you know, at that time, it was weird doing that because it, – it's Jason Klein in the background is noticing, hey, there's this young kid, and he said, go get her here. You know, not not really. No. Klein, he's, he was always so consumed in his own personal life. He's very busy with what he does, you know, mutual funds and all that. So he's and, in finance. Yeah, yeah, so he's in finance, and, you know, it's go, go, go all the time for him. So 
he kind of, you know, wants somebody, hey, do this. And, you know, he'd stick around once in a while and, you know, you'd have meetings once in a while. But um, so I was doing that for a while. You know, we had a little league going at Nichols. I don't know if you played or not. I never played at Nichols. Yeah. So we had a league going there and then he ended up wanting to go back to Canada. I believe he got pretty... uh, pretty tight with his girlfriend at the time. So I don't know if they're engaged or married or something, but he was going back to Canada. So at that point, you know, I'm working with him. That kind of left me in the driver's seat. So what was the discussion? Like, what was the understanding between you and Klein? Like, did he start you on a salary? Like, what was like the, you know, dude, it was so long ago. And I think I just kind of took it upon myself to say, Hey, Ryan's leaving, you know, I'm ready to get this thing going. Did you know at that point you could make a career out of it? No, you weren't even looking that far. No, no, no. I was so, um, business unintelligent at that point. Yeah. You're a kid still. I'm 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 23, 22, 23. Okay. You know, at that point I'm worried about playing hockey, right? You know? So the whole business aspect of it, um, you know, I mean, there was definitely in the back of my head. I'm like, Oh, you know, I can, why flowers is the number two. Um, well, you know what? It's funny. I don't want to get into too much detail, but there was um, some pull from Klein and some other guys. They wanted to get another group of people in to help out. And, um, you know, I really lobbied for Flowers. And the main reason was because all these travel teams and tournament teams we were doing at the time, him and I were the ringleaders of all that. You know, so we were the really the ones putting these teams together. Dimitrik used to be that guy. Art wasn't really that guy. Um, at, you know, when art was doing it, I was still very active in the tournaments and flowers too. Hey, who's driving? Where are we going here? We got to register, you know, so we were super proactive with all that stuff. So, um, you know, that was the main reason to bring flowers in because him and I were really the ones behind the scenes, keeping all this together and staying motivated and, you know, getting it all going. It's something you look back at now and say, what, like, thank God I did that. Right. Cause I mean, flowers an invaluable Oh, part of this organization. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, he's great. Um, Whoever else they would have brought in, I can't imagine they'd be around right now. No. You know what I mean? Like, I would have. No, definitely, definitely, no doubt. Definitely, no doubt. You know, um, it's it goes back to um, a lost art, which is called pride and passion. Yeah. So many people don't have it, you know, and he does. And that's. We'll talk more about flowers later. So, okay. So, you, you. Talk, talk a little bit about the evolution. Like, well, how do you get to the point where, okay, yeah, you're doing this, but how do you get to the point where you know you're doing this for a living? Like, this is going to be your life, your livelihood. Like, yep. So, how so, do you make that switch? So, basically, what's happening is, you know, we're kind of rolling here for, you know, four or five years, and I'm not, I, I just don't really realize what I have. You know, I'm still young at the time. And um, so, we landed the Tours National Championships in 2008, I believe it was. When so, you jumped off the bench and Conacher scored the the goal, the breakaway goal, and like not in a bad way, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. year. Oh yes, 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 yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I think there was some big money on the line. Yeah, Conacher scored at literally at the buzzer. Yeah, looked like you guys are going to get scored on. Yep, down yep, here yep. and the transition, he has a breakaway, yep. and I'm standing down here towards the lobby. I'm in the lobby end of the rink. And on your behind your bench, and you're standing like on the bench with your foot on the oh yeah boards, stressed out heart racing watching Conacher go down yeah. and Conacher I'm watching him and he get, he gets to go and I look and you're on the rink arms up and ready to do backflips and yeah. all that yep yep yeah. no that was that was definitely a great time but um so yeah so 2008 somehow we landed the Tours Nationals which was huge at that point I mean you're talking about you know 250 team tournament mm-hmm. which at the Northtown Center. Well, facility helped. Yeah, yeah nice facility definitely. There, yeah. Definitely. So um, 
something kind of hit me, you know, at that point, um, I believe, um, you know, my daughter was a couple years old. Um, I had just bought my own house. I had two rental properties, a two unit and a four unit. And I just had so many things going on. And I kind of sat back. I was actually had a fire at my house with a bunch of friends and we were just talking and I'm kind of building up mentally. And I'm thinking, you know, the more time I put into this thing, instead of doing 8 million things, even though I still do 8 million things today, um, you know, I'm like, I think if I just put more time into this, you know, we can really make this thing work. So that was kind of the, where the light went off in my head, like, okay, this, this thing can really get built up. Um, you know, and that, that was definitely the moment. So now where did, how does it happen that Klein is no longer there and it's your thing? Um, you know, in 2012, um, he was just so busy with everything. He was ready to go. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, Pretty much. And then, you know, so I basically rebranded the whole thing. Um, so you never actually bought anything from him? Uh, I don't want to get into, you know, hard details like that but well i mean i'm not asking you for the contract amount did you buy something from him uh kind of sort of you know it's a little bit of a long story but um so i rebranded it and the reason where you change it from western new york from from buffalo western New new york the reason why i did that is because like we spoke about earlier all the politics there was a lot of bad taste in the people's mouth right there was a reputation whether it uh, you got skunked on a trial, right, whatever it was, and, yeah. you know, this and that, um, you know, and back then there was, you know, a little bit of preferential treatment. A lot of history that you it wasn't your history. I didn't want it. Right. You didn't you want know, to bring it with I, you. I, yeah. I wanted to start fresh and I wanted to start, um, you know, my own brand, which, you know, there's still people that say wings and this. Yeah. And that, I mean, but, to a certain uh, generation. Yes. It's always going to be the wings because it's Eric and Jason. Yep, yep. Eric and Jason's thing is the wings to a certain generation of players. Yep. But every year, so those players, more of those players go out and players have been with you since who are under 10 players when you started the rebranding are growing with it as Western New York. Yeah, no, so that absolutely. probably dies off a little bit each year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, even when I was working, you know, for Klein, I mean, obviously I had a ton of pride and passion in it, but when you, when I put my name on something like this, it just means so much more, you know, you just don't want to fail. You just want to keep that. When you rebranded it and did this backdoor deal with Klein that you don't want to talk about, did you then hire, like was Flowers like your first employee? Uh, did he, Every, is he, he part of the ownership group? Is, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's an employee. Everything just kind of transferred over like it was before for the most part. Was there ever a thought of like, was in your head, like, I don't want to do this without him. Or did you think like maybe well, it's time to get someone else or was there no, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't. Cause even, I mean, really this organization is consistent of you and him, right? Yeah. There's no one else really. Right. No. I, I mean, mean, there's rafts. Nicole does a bunch of stuff. Nicole, behind the okay, scenes yeah, your girlfriend, and, Nicole. yeah. You know, she handles the accounting and all that stuff. But, um, as far, I mean, it, like, it really wasn't like that big of a deal. It's kind of like, it wasn't, you know, it just kind of went from wings to Western New York and everything was just, you know, like the, the, the public didn't see it. It was just kind of one of those things where, you know, well, it, 90% it, it, of the league didn't even know there was a climb. Correct. Right. Yeah. I mean, correct. more probably than correct, 90. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they knew of him, but, um, you know, it was, I think I met him once. Yeah. Yeah. At, uh, we had a meeting before a season at, um, the rink in Lockport there. Oh, Keenan. Keenan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just got so many things going on. You know, he's he's got a couple of kids. He bought a nice house. He's nonstop with the business and he's, he's got boring. His, yeah. So anyway, so he's he's gone. So he's out of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so so it's you, it's flowers, Nicole, you say does accounting, and then you got 
your part-time employees, refs and scorekeepers and things like yep, that. Yep. Yep. Uh, how do you? How do you? When did you decide to build off this? Because not only now is there the roller hockey organization, but you also have the hockey camps and a whole separate thing, which maybe roller hockey players don't know. You have a volleyball league yep. as well that you run. So how did you become this like sports? Rec sport entrepreneur. So, you know, obviously the the whole business world of ownership growth, and this right? and that in the, pa- in the yeah, in the past yeah. couple of years has really evolved. So, you know, from two thousand and twelve until about two thousand and fifteen, I just kinda you know, we just ran the leagues, kinda did you know, did our thing and just kept um, you know, doing as much as we can to make it as, as real and ex- uh, exciting as possible. And then in two thousand fifteen, um you know, there was an ice hockey camp with like Lou Cannon and all that. I don't yeah. know if you remember Hanno. I know Luke really well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he ended up going back to school and he had. He went to it, Liberty, right? When he went to yeah, Liberty. Or yeah, yeah. So his dad ran Buffalo Prospects, which yep. was a pretty heavy name for a while. Mm-hmm. Then Aliens. I'm on NHL 1 at Northtown. He's on NHL 2. They had an absolute mob squad of kids. And I found out that he was done. He's not doing the camp. So I thought that I was going to basically take it over. And, you know, I kind of tried talking to him and, hey, what can we work out with contacts? And there was really nothing. So long story short, I ended up pretty much starting from the ground up. So um, that was, I think this is our fourth year going into the camp. So, um, you know, the camp's going good. You know, it's definitely not where I want it to be. There's there's a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot of competition in that market, too. It's but tough. yeah, it's a, it's definitely a tough market. So, um, you know, that's going pretty good. Um, the, the one big thing about the ice camp is, um, you know, a lot of my instructors, um, are actually currently playing pro hockey. So they're here, they're not here pretty much. Yeah. 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 And then, um, so that, that's that with the ice camp and then the volleyball league, um, you know, so now we're to the point where I got the roller league, I got the ice hockey camp. Um, I was talking to a couple brothers that play in the league and just a casual conversation. Um, they end up using the same, uh, online system as we do. And he's telling me about this volleyball league. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know you did that. So we had a pretty, you know, about an hour conversation on it. And he's, he's like, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. This and that. I said, well, you know, I love sports. I got a pretty good template built. You know, if you want to, you know, have a talk, let me know. I'd be interested. So six months later we ended up having the talk and, uh, I ended up taking that over too. Um, you know, so it was, it was presented to me one way and it was, it ended up being a lot of work to, I rebranded that too. For, this is at holidays? No, no. This is actually, um, at Manor Lanes. Okay. Uh, American Grill and, uh, Rose Garden. We'll um, let you plug everything. We'll set everything up. Yeah. Inside. We'll do that in a minute, but okay. So what makes the most money? Uh, the roller hockey. roller hockey. Yeah. Yeah. The roller hockey. Volleyball's, volleyball volleyball's coming up pretty, yeah. pretty, yeah. Pretty hot and heavy. Um, there's, do you have your eyes on anything else? Yeah. What do you want to do? What else do you want to do? Um, I'm actually, well, I'm, I'm trying to get an ice hockey league going at Riverworks. Um, you know, again, a lot of competition, but it's just such a cool venue. We actually tried to do it last year, but, um, I was going back and forth with the guy for so long. By the time we got our info out, it was mid September and half the league's already started. So I've been kind of working the social medias and stuff like that. I'm, so ice hockey's kind of next. Ice hockey's next. Yeah. We're going to try to launch a league at Riverworks this fall. Flag football, anything like that? Not, not flag football yet. Um, we're going to do a cornhole league this summer, which the West New York social sports, that kind of follows that set up. Um, I am working with a guy to do a lacrosse league too, Western New York lacrosse league. Um, so we're going to try to get that going too. You know, it's Like box lacrosse at the – at a rink or it would outdoor? be indoor indoor, indoor okay. yep indoor so 
Um, you know, I just I'm very confident in the template that has been built, and you know, I think I can really implement that. You run a league on any any kind of league, with yeah, this structure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you obviously, you know, the customer service is there. You got to be accessible. Answer all your emails. Answer all your texts, which sounds easy. But so many people don't do it. So I make it a point to be as accessible as possible, even though it drives me nuts sometimes. I answer all my texts. I answer all my emails. um, And then, you know, I like to try to make it bigger than it is. I mean, we're playing a house league roller hockey league. But actually... Amenities. Let's talk about that. Let's, well, on. I want to plug okay. you. I yeah. want to plug you real quick because we're actually going on our eleventh year of the championship trophy. And who's the one that brought the idea up to the league about doing <laughs> that? You. Yeah, yeah. And and so we're going on our eleventh year, and it's it's dude. People absolutely love that thing. Every year, because summers are big league. We run year round, right. but summer is the big time. So everybody comes in week one in the summer. They're spinning the cup around to find where their name yeah. is. They're looking at the championship Banners. banner. And it's just it's, it's hard to believe that we started that in 2008. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's been that long. Yeah. You know, so that that's really cool. Um, people love that. Um, I started doing that in the volleyball leagues. Nobody around here does that in the volleyball leagues. But what we did in the volleyball leagues, the volleyball leagues all bar sand league. So you play volleyball, but you drink right. and this and that. So we were presenting our champions with a cup and a bottle of champagne. Nice. Dude, they had a blast. Yeah. They're popping the cork, drinking out drinking of the out cup, of it, yeah. drinking their old Vetchkin. Yeah. And so it was it was a good time. Well, I want to ask you about amenities because you have always, I thought, been really good at kind of having your eye on how to make it better, how to make it bigger, you know, what else to do. It's easy. It's easier to drop the puck, play the games and go home. Right. But you've, I think you've really excelled at trying, just trying shit too. Like we did a podcast one year, Yep, yep. you know, you've, you know, put speakers in the locker rooms, the, the cup, the banner. Until one of the speakers got stolen. One got, somebody ruined yeah. It. Some dick. Right. Yep. But, um, just trying shit and uh how important do you think that is like do you like do you think that is a 15 percent spike in business a five percent or do you think it's not even that it's more of a morale of the customer and helps build a repeat like i i think what I, what hold on let me make it a question why is that important and how does that help you as a business well I think that it is important because I want to make sure the customers are getting their money's worth. You know, like you said, you can come to the rank, drop a puck, which a lot of the leagues do. Yeah, most you know, of them. Drop a puck, play your game, and you're gone. I want to make it bigger than that. Let's get the music going, pump up in between games. Let's do some live streams. Let's do some highlight clips. Let's do some action photos. Let's do player of the month. You know, um, I don't have a problem sacrificing income to, um, you know, keep customers happy. And I just think that. I mean, it's 2019. You got to keep people interested, or right. they become uninterested very fast. And technology is great because, hey, let me show you this video or this picture of you on our social media, and they might sign up to see the picture themselves, but they don't unsign up. Yep. Right. Yep. So then they get to see this yep. this flyer and this yep, sales yep. pitch. Right. I mean, that's kind of the idea. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So, um, you know, I got a thing now where you're trying to multitask all the time. So I bought the new GoPro Seven. You can go live to Facebook on it, so now I can play a game and record at the same time. I'm killing. Yeah, I was watching some of the your experiment yeah. with it. it yeah. kind of fell at the beginning. Well, you yeah. know what I did is I had it on my helmet and I forgot, and I went to stretch, Not popped that. it off. So I actually glued the piece on. I'm going to try to go live tonight. Um, so you know, it's just something cool. You know, you get to see the game out of my eyes. Um, 
and you get to live stream while you play. Yeah, and like live streaming overtimes and last oh, minute of playoff games. Shootouts and, and all that like stuff. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, dude, I've been sports my whole life. Like, if you ask me what plan B is, I mean, maybe like nutrition, but I mean, really, that comes down to sports. You know, yeah, right. You know, so it. I don't know what else I would do if it wasn't for sports. I've just been sports my whole life, um, and it's it's been great to me. So you're a smart dude. You figured out business. You figure out amenities. You figured out all these things, but you can't figure out officiating. <laughs> Why not? You know what? Why is that so hard? I'll tell you what, in all honesty, the reason why it's so hard is, and especially today, it's because officiating is not, it, there's too much gray. You might think a trip is a trip, and I might say, no, that wasn't a trip. And there's just so much gray area in all these NHL reviews and this and that. It, it See, I don't have as much problem with calls as I do effort. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem is... The officials don't realize – the officials, especially young ones, I think get on a bit of a power trip. And they lose track of the fact that I pay them. The league doesn't pay them. Yep, yep. I pay them for their hour of work and for the ref to stand in the corner already stoned and practically falling asleep during the game. It's unacceptable. It reflects poorly on you, but it's not your fault. Well, I mean, technically it is. I mean, at the end of the day, everything falls back. I mean, you know, I, I've had so many conversations and meetings with these guys, and it's it's you almost have to stay on them like weekly. Is it almost just like busboys? Like the person who does the job is just that kind of person? You know what I mean? Like they're at that point of their life and that, that you just can't get the quality – Here's here's my perfect official, and I'll tell you what my perfect official is. It's somebody that's motivated and that goes out there and earns their twenty. Try bucks. that's yeah. It. Work for the twenty five bucks. Absolutely. If that's... we argue over a call, whatever. Yeah, that's just part of the competition of the game. I do appreciate when the guy can kind of like can take a little bit, isn't so thin skinned. Yep, yep. And isn't afraid to give it back even a little bit. Like I'm cool with that. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, you you in, enjoy engaging in that debate, so that's an opportunity. For I don't as much as I used to. <laughs> he but used to I be did the best. in 2008, 2009. The best I love in the it. business. Last couple of years when I played, that's Greg's job. Now. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like I'm not interested. In and that. he does. He doesn't hold a flame up to your debating skills. So. No, but he. He can bitch and whine, but yeah, that's than for I sure. Used to be able to, but but um, yeah, you know, I just want somebody to come there and put in the work. Just because, put the work in, earn the money. Like I said, you might think this is a call, and I don't. So, it, I mean, there's just not a clear cut. I mean, some penalties are clear cut, but there's some opinionated penalties. So come and do the work, and you know, it's tough too because you don't train them. USA Hockey technically trains them, and the USA Hockey the 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 bar to be a US a role hockey official in USA Hockey. Oh. The, is really low. It's so. I low. mean, almost I mean, anyone ice, could be. They have a great format in ice. Yeah, with the with the day school and yep, all that. Yep. The the ice format is great. The roller hockey is pretty much, you know, jump on with one of our veteran refs and learn the ropes and you know. What's do the, the future of roller hockey? What 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 do you see when you look five years out? What's going to be? Is it going to be live streaming games like they do in college? I mean, what's the future you know, of roller I'm at, hockey? I'm glad you brought that up. I was actually talking to my friend over at Revision the other day, and um, he brought up a good point. When you're playing a game and you're playing high-level hockey, um, you want to play the keep-away game. That's not fun for boring. fans. It's yeah. so boring. The Hawk the hawk game. It, the Hawk yeah. game is so boring. Yeah. But when it comes down to winning and losing, when you play that high level, it comes down to who makes the less, the least mistakes. And, and so possession. We, and, and possession is yeah. huge. You throw a shot clock on there, you're going to change the whole dynamic. 
you'll change the whole dynamic. And, you know, basketball is what, a 20, 25, 24, 24 second shot clock. Maybe you do a 60 second shot clock, but you know, at that point in, at that point, it would open the game up so much more. I like that. And I think that it would be huge. Him and I had a pretty in-depth conversation about it. And, I mean, it would force you to be offensive and, and be smart. You know what I mean? It's like curling face this, right? Did you see that documentary series on Netflix called Losing? Did you see them post that? I didn't, no. There's something on Netflix that just went up, and it's it's a series. There's like six or seven documentaries. They're each about 30 minutes, and they're about – Losers in sports, a boxer who got knocked out. Oh, that sounds great. You know, I'm check and it, that it's out. their stories. And there's a story of this curling match where they were up. It was the championship of curling and they're up two points in the last end. And this guy throws like the perfect one in 10 zillion shot. And the guy loses the championship, like gets it pulled out from under him. And like if his last shot, if he would have made a better block, it would have been possible, whatever. So he loses the championship and like, devastating fashion like minnesota miracle fashion uh, or worse and um so then he went home and he said how can i let that never happen again and he developed this blocking system and he dominated the sport but people weren't coming anymore he made it so boring that people wouldn't watch it it worked it was a way to win but it was bad for the sport people yeah. weren't watching there it took scoring out Matches used to be ten nine. Now he's winning three nothing. Yeah, that three to one or two to one. That's a perfect comparison. And it's, and and the the curling the sport said we got to take a step back here because we're gonna die. Yeah, he's gonna get ten rings and that's great, but there's gonna be no one to come up the back because no one's gonna play this anymore. And they changed the game. I don't know enough about the intricacies of curling to say this is what they did. No, I get the do. point though. I get but the yeah, point. but they changed the league. It's you should watch it. Yeah, uh, no, I, I definitely will. It sounds great, great. It's a great. It's a good series. There's Binge a, watch one night, maybe. And it's they're easy to watch. They're like yeah. thirty minutes. You know, the, there's the boxing one, a figure skating girl who would like was a champion of France but could never win at the Olympics. Um, there was uh, the curling one. Um, I don't know. It's like whatever. There's you know a basketball one. There's like six of them, something like that. But really, some really interesting. The boxing one is unbelievable. Cool. Uh, but just a story about this boxing champion is abused by his dad and kind of fights because he has to, not because he wants to, and ends up getting not, loses a championship fight in like spectacular fashion, just knocked out, and how it changed his life. And he ended up then consulting on like a boxing movie in Hollywood. And getting this like, unbelievable Hollywood career out of it. That's oh, nice. a great story. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Sounds um, great. So, okay, so shot clock. What else? What is the future of roller hockey leagues? How are you going to maintain customers? How are you going to get more customers? Well, How are you going to get the Fortnite kids to put Fortnite down and play roller hockey? Yeah, What's the future there? Yeah, you're actually bringing up a good point. Um, you know, the video game stuff is right. really getting out of control. Um, you know, I, I've actually been kind of teaching and, and working with a young kid um i've been getting really big on a social media marketing it's just such a huge outlet you know um social media is really the future oh, right that's you're going to need to connect to people you have to yeah. and and you know it's more than just posting hey we got a league coming up in two months sign up you got to provide people with content like i look at my social media pages like they're magazines what's western new york roller hockey got going on oh you can go on there and see um, you know, live videos, highlight hockey clips, highlights, shit um, like that. cool articles yeah. on the Sabres, you know, this polls, yeah, some yep. interaction, whatever. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you gotta, 
you know, and I try to get some cool videos made so people that don't know about the league can watch a video and be like, wow, that looks like a lot of fun. I want to do that. So I've really been, you know, experimenting a lot with that. Um, got we were a, ahead of our time with the podcast I, we did it, too. You know when, what I mean? When it we might were be talking, time to talk about resurrecting it in some form. Yeah, no, that's funny. I was going to we say ahead that. of our time. Absolutely. But, so I think it was 2008 we did that, 2009. Yeah, yeah. So Anthony graduated high school in 2009. So he was still in high school when we did this, right? I think that was the summer. I think summer 2008, probably the year before. I feel like he was just getting ready to go to college. Yeah, it was right point. around that okay, time. Yep, you know, yep. Probably 2000, summer 2008, I think maybe we did Yeah, it. yeah. Somewhere around there. But So, I mean, that's way before the peak of podcasts. Big time. Well, like I told you before we started this, I I mean, you were before we your were time spread, doing all that We were spreading the stuff. word with flyers. Yeah. You know, yeah. we would never spread the word with flyers now. No, it yeah. would all be social all media. social, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the thing for me, and I'm sure you can relate too. I mean, you're 38. Yeah. I'm, I turned 40 last year. I didn't grow up with social media. Yeah. But I have a 13-year-old daughter, and, th- you know, it's like – I feel as much as I am not personally a fan of it, if you don't partake in it, you're going to fall so far behind in 10 years. And I just kind of realized that I'm working with a young kid that helps me with all my marketing. And um, he's taught me a lot in the past year. He's really painted a picture for me. And the the value of it is is unbelievable. I mean, you know, think about when you're watching a TV show, first off, how, how much are you watching live? Not much. What happens when a commercial comes on? Fast forward so you don't even see it. When you're watching live TV, what happens when a commercial comes on? You grab your phone. Right. So you're Second not even screen. watching commercials. Yeah. I mean, you know, if somebody offered me a free commercial, sure, but I don't even think I would pay any amount of money for a TV commercial. I just don't think there's value in it. If I was going to spend 500 on a TV commercial, I would spend $500 on Facebook, Facebook ads, ads yeah. all day long. It's not even not even close. Um, you know, there, you can just reach out to so many people. And I mean, we still do, um, you know, flyers like Northtown center, ton of foot traffic. We'll throw some flyers and stuff like that up there. Um, you know, at our other ranks and things like that, we'll do flyers. But I mean, really it's media's is where it's at. Sportscaster here. We're finishing up with Eric Hawk from uh, Western New York roller hockey league. Why don't let's, uh, let's lay some plugs out. And then I want to finish with some fun stuff, okay. some rapid-fire things. I'll throw some names out. You give me some first things. There's some fun stuff for people who are familiar with the leagues and stuff. But uh, why don't you start with the camps? We have all the plugs you want for the camps. Where should they go for more information? What could they expect? Just whatever you want. Okay, start with the camps. so Western New York School of Hockey is an ice camp that we offer to all ages and skill levels. I should say up to 18 years old. Um, all ages and skill levels, um, you can go to WNYSOH.com, which is our website, and you can register there. You can find us on Instagram. I will tweet all this, too. And so if you go to at sports underscore casters on Twitter, I'll list it for Eric. So if you're listening, if you go to our Twitter, some of what he's saying will be there in print, too, so you can click. But go ahead. Okay, so yeah. fa- our Facebook page is Western New York School of Hockey. Uh, our Instagram is uh, at Western New York School of Hockey. Um, you know, our big thing with the ice camps is, is like I was telling Steve earlier, you know, we really pride ourselves on having current pros run our program because the game is evolving at such a rapid pace. Um, you know, no offense to anybody or, you know, but, you know, if somebody played 10 years ago, the game's just not the same now. It's just a different game. So I try to pride ourselves on that. You know, we have guys that are currently in the AHL playing that come out and, you know, run the camps and stuff like that. So, um, and then the next one is going to be uh, West New York Social Sports, which is 
we're currently offering sand volleyball leagues. Um, you know, it's all bar sand volleyball. Uh, and then we're offering a cornhole league too. You can find us on the beanbags. Yeah. That's what the beanbags. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. I don't know if you've watched any of that, but they've uh, had them on ESPN lately. Really? Oh, it's on dude. Some of these guys, I found a video, some guy uh, nailed 19 in a row. Oh, like damn. nothing right in the hole, huh? right in the hole, man. <laughs> so, uh, our Facebook is, uh, actually WNY volleyball. Okay. And our Instagram is at West New York Social Sports. You can, uh, and our website is westnewyorksocialsports.com. Uh, we have leagues there for all uh, ages, all adult ages, and all skill levels. You know, you can barely be able to hit a volleyball and play in our low rec league, or you can be, you know, a volleyball shark and play in our power fours. We have leagues for everybody. Um, and then the Western New York Roller Hockey League. And it's registration time. For it's some, registration yeah. for all of this for stuff. For summer, yeah. Yep, for everything. Uh, and then Western New York Roller Hockey League, which we primarily focused on. Um, you can go to WNYRH.com. Uh, Facebook is going to be Western New York Roller Hockey. Actually, no, I'm sorry, WNYRH. Sorry, I'm trying to live all this in my head. Um, That's and, why I said I'll put a tweet out. With, yeah. yeah, and then uh, Instagram, we're, we're at Western New York Roller Hockey, and we actually do have a Twitter for that account. Uh, we're at Western New York Roller Hockey. Oh, yeah, I just filed it recently, I think. Yeah, You better yeah. file back or I'm going to boot you. You know what? <laughs> I, I'll have to tell my guy. I, I'm to the point, Steve, where I'm still – I'm trying to master Facebook. Right, before you haven't I got move the Twitter yet. <laughs> I haven't even got the Twitter. If you told me to post, I think I actually shared something for Greg one day. I had to look up a video on YouTube how to do it. <laughs> oh, the, the, the survey. Something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, no, he got a new uh, Eastern Stealth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But – um. But, yeah, so I'm trying to master Facebook before I move on, and then I'll probably go to Instagram, and I'll probably go to Twitter from there. So, um, But, yeah, so those are the plugs. All right, let's do some fun shit to close out here. I want to, You can watch you make some enemies uh, or some friends, whatever way you want to look at it. All right, first thing, the uh, Western New York Roar Hockey slash Buffalo Wings, the whole lineage, you got your own Mount Rushmore. Who are the four faces on the Mount Rushmore of Western New York roller hockey? We'll oh. take you out of it. Okay, I was you, you would say. maybe be on there, but we'll just take you out of it. So you have to put yourself. Oh man! So you You're got really four pl- faces. All right, so Flowers is going to have to take go one on of those there. faces. Yep. Um, you know, currently probably got to go with a guy like Will Trimper. They don't have to be current. No, I'm just. I, I mean, you got to put Will Trimper on the on the uh, the Mount Rushmore. Well, you got to remember, you know, you're starting to talk about guys like Shashowskis and stuff. They don't play anymore, that so they're matter. retired. I mean, well, George Washington isn't the president anymore. They still put him yeah. on Mount Rushmore. All right, so so let's go. Let's go. Uh, Flowers, Shishow- Jason Shashowski's name is sticking out in my okay, head. Okay, I would think so. Um, and then you know, you got to throw Trimper in as okay. a current. He's just right. he's played so many. He's probably played more games than anybody in the past four years. And then, um, you know, I'm going to go with um, probably John Kewick. John Kewick. John Kewick, the goalie. Dude, you know how many games he's played in the you last? You missed, like, the – you didn't get anyone from the, like, Tyler Walzer era. You know, it was it was, it was actually a pretty short-lived era for yeah. him. Yeah, it really was. Um, you know, he – was around for maybe. I wasn't necessarily six, saying years. him, but I mean, like in that era. Yeah, well, nobody he, from there. Not really, because Russ you know, Folga or you know, Folga's been in and out for years. The consistency has been there. Perkins, yeah, Perkins. He was could, kind of the running mate with Jason. He actually right? still plays. He yeah. still plays, so he's he could definitely go on there too. It, that's a tough one, man. Yeah. I mean, there. I can make a list of 
30 candidates that I gotta think deserving. if we got serious about it there's a really good chance that either Trimper or Kuick would lose their spot well you, you, you know that the the bonus for them is just because they're fresh it's fresh in the Kuick's memory a good kid he puts his time in at that rink every summer too he puts a lot of games I'm gonna tell you that I guesstimate that Kuick had probably played over 150 games last year alone yeah he plays a lot of games insane I mean he's he's played four or five games in a row before as a goalie I mean, I play three as a player, and I'm gassed. Are the Jackals the best team of all time in the in the in the in the rec league setting? Um, Is there a, a branded team that has had a better dynasty over the years than the Jackals? I mean, the Jackals definitely have to be up there for sure. Um, you know, team they change their name change so much. much. I mean, diversity had a hell of a run, dude. I'm not yeah, even again, that was a two year, two three year run, but yeah, it was a good run. Well, you guys were a lot around for a while. Never too. finished worse than second in the in the top. Yeah, league yeah, and I mean, won the. Bronze League a couple times. I mean, I've been running the Vecox for years, Vecox, but yeah. the problem is, is my other half stopped playing eight yeah, years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I've had so many different people on my team. It's like the name is yeah, powerful, but I've played with so many different people. All right, so you got to go to Narch next weekend, and you can take, you can take, let's say six guys with you. Any of them? Any of them? And they're in their prime. You, it's like a magical thing. You get to take them in their prime. You know, so it'll, you know. If you take uh, Jason, he's he's not you know forty year old too. So I can take Prime Jason. You can take Prime Jason. You can take Prime Flowers if that's who you want as your goalie, or you can cut him. Okay, but it will, it'll give you six forwards, uh, you know, six skaters and one goalie. Well, backup goalie too. And, okay, and a backup. All right, so what? And I'm then gonna... you get to be player seven. So you're on the team. You're the seventh player. So all right, so, so. what I'm going to do is I am going to have Flowers and Tommy McCollum battle it out for who's the starter. Okay, nice. And then the other one's going to be backup. Um. I got to go with Conacher just okay, because yeah. he puts the puck in the net, mm-hmm. man. And, and he loves hockey. Loves hockey. And you know dude. he's going to go to that tournament, and he's going to be in bed the night before. He's not going to oh, be. Dude, you don't know how much I love that about yeah. him, man. That's I, why he made it. Absolutely. That's why he made it. I, I really hockey. I love seeing that kid's success, yeah. man. Great kid. He earned everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, although it was very tough coaching him because his leg was over the bench the whole game. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. It's like, how do you not play him? He was like a two-star recruit. Dude. To college, like yeah, he, he had like four. He grinded he, it. He could have went to the USHL probably, and but because of his diabetes, his parents didn't want. That. Yeah, they want yeah. him to go to just take a scholarship at Canisius. You're close to home, and Vinny would tell me that like that kid wasn't taking care of himself. Like Vinny'd have to give him like crackers and oranges to wake him up for class. Well, you know, like he was really having a tough time. I think he's much better now. With his he diabetes. probably wasn't as educated back. Yeah, then. but back then he was. He was not taking care of himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, and finally, I think. Someone got to him and said, "Like, if you want to make it, you're gonna to have to." Yeah, but he—I've never met anyone who loves hockey. He's just loves a, playing hockey. He's a great guy to be around, man. You know, yeah. he doesn't get peer peer pressured in anything. You know, um, but yeah, I would definitely go Conacher. Um, okay, so so far we have you, Conacher, McCollum, and Flowers. I'm like a shoe in because I'm on the yeah, thing. You're, you're I like would, a coach I wouldn't even put myself. Yeah, on you're like there a coach player. I pretty put you much. In. I put you. In. I would. I would be. Someone's got to collect the money. Make sure everyone gets <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Someone's got to fill take, up the bottles. Got to take the puck behind the net and yep, stand back there yep. for the eight fill up the bottles the and yeah. um, you know. So I would go. Uh, Jason Shashowski was was definitely great in his prime. So we got Shashowski. We got Conacher. I'm going to throw Walzer in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little size. I'll little tell you size. one guy that I've really loved, man, and I don't know how well you know him. I, I just know how much he loved it and how much it meant to him. You remember Rick Novoisky? Yeah, I remember. Oh, that. dude, I, I I absolutely loved. Sometimes he would drive you nuts. Dude, he would go out there and block shots with his face. Good player. He, he was awesome. Yeah. I, I just loved I, I loved having him on my team. So there's four there. 
uh, Shashowski, Walzer, Conacher, Navoyski. Um, man, two more. That's tough. These two spots. Um, because you got like nine names in mind. Well, I mean, I'm thinking Scarcella, but then he had such a short run. Right. But man, when he was in his prime, dude, he you could send him into forecheck somebody, he'd get the puck. Mm-hmm. He really would. He's tenacious. Oh, he was a pit. I, we called him Pitbull. Mm-hmm. Tenacious. Um, you know, man, I would probably even throw a Perkins in there. Perkins. Perkins yeah. is just a grizzled solid defense. defense. You know, now I'm to the point. Okay, we got some goal scoring. Now we got to get some defense out there. Um, so I would go with a Perkins. What and- about uh? The little defender, Vinny's buddy. Uh, Scarcella? No, yeah, Vinny, Vinny's friends with him. I can't stand the kid. Littler guy. Raft for you, too. Uh, Kyle. Maybe. Oh, Kozlowski. Koz. Dude, great. Yeah, 100% him. If you get – if you, the problem is with him is mindset. Yeah, he's got a poor attitude. Oh. Yeah. You know, but when you get him in that right mindset, dude, he's one of the best in the business. He can play with anybody at any level, man. I would definitely throw him in. Is that six? Well, it depends. Did you take Vinny or were you just throwing him out? Um, He would be five. We'll, we'll say Kaz is your fifth, definite. Kaz is for sure. So we got Kaz. Oh, Wal- yeah, because you picked Perkins. So that's six. Kaz, Walzer, Perkins, Shashowski, Conacher, and then. You, Flowers, and McCollum. Okay. Is that, Solid squad. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the right amount. Yeah, I mean, I would go even like... You could even pick an eighth if you want. Yeah, I would go with like a Jeff Abrams, man. You know, Get out of here. Dude, I'll tell you, man, that kid would go out there and give you... When we won... Yeah, but you can pick a better player. But listen, when we won Narch Finals... You already got that spot filled with, when, with Perkins. When we won Narch Finals in San Jose in 2010... Um, it was an absolute grinder game. We won one to nothing. Abrams killer crossover, put the puck in the net. Kid scores, man. He really does. Yeah, I just think there's good players. But you know, I'm not. I, I'm different. Like I'm not looking at straight skill. Like I could tell him to do anything, and he it was he was a great kid to coach. Awesome. Oh, I believe that. Awesome kid to coach, man. And he could put the puck in the net. My favorite uh, Jeff. What's his name? Abrams. Yeah, we My call him Gorf. Jeff Abrams story is. Uh, was a semi? It was a night we had semifinals and finals in the gold league, the top league. I think. Yeah. It was, I think it was gold so yep, at the yep. time, and uh, we were playing in the first game of the day against Flowers team, the Lord of the Rinks, and um, so I'm walking. It's we're on the big rink, and I'm walking towards the office, and Flowers is walking towards me. And he's on the phone, and he's talking to that Jeff Abrams kid, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, you can't make it. Just be here for the second game." Yeah, we played. He's like, we play diversity, so just be here for the second game. It's going to be at nine. Like, yeah, dude, we played them earlier. It was like fifteen to six. Us? No, we're definitely, definitely be here for the second game. All right, I'll see you for the second game. We blew that. I went and told Vinny and Anthony that. Oh man, oh, we put fired him right up. Vin, we put Vin went out and just because then they everyone. went from like really great players having fun to, oh, you think you're going to beat us like that? Yeah, no, yeah. you're not. Well, yeah. That, you, yeah, you, those guys don't need any motivation. So I think we had Vinny, Anthony, we had um, Seabold. We had Seabold, who then got hurt and couldn't play in the final against the Jackals. Real injury or a little bit embarrassed? I don't know. <laughs> I think that if year, you're listening, Justin, I just think joking. That year it was a torn, torn groin. He tweaked his groin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we had that's when that was the year that we lost to the Jackals by one with Josh Cormier in that. I mean, think about the edge they had in goalie. It was just some guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember think that. Think about the edge they had in goaltending. Yeah, yeah. they had um, the bald. He's bald now. He played for you then. Latona? Latona. Oh, dude. He's, so it's Latona oh, versus I Cormier forgot about him Matt. for goalie, man. Siebold's got a fake toward groin. You know, and we almost 
almost pulled it off, just quite not enough. Yeah, but yeah. They almost lost to the Zarbos. They they just came back and beat the Zarbos. The Zarbos were tough to play, man. Oh, they tenacious. were tough. Yes, absolutely. Are they playing anymore? Uh, I don't Joe think any of them play hockey, like wow. ice hockey anymore. Those kids were good, man. They yeah. went hard. Fun and to play Joe against. is one of those kids, too, that was, like, good from six. Yep, yeah. You know, like, when my brother – so my brother's in 91. So, like, when he started as mites, there was, like, this core group of them. And, like, maybe, like, eight or nine of them ended up playing D1 or the like or OHL. Yep. You know, some kids didn't play college. They ended up playing OHL. But, like, eight or nine of them. And Joe was, like, one of the ones right away. You're like, yeah, he's going to play in college. Like at six, you knew like yeah, was, yeah, yeah. He was going out there like scoring a different eight goals level, a game, like, you know, and nobody could stop him. Yeah, and it wasn't one of the cases where he had just grown earlier. Look, there's this kid named Sam Alfieri. Do you know him? Really, the name's familiar. Really nice kid. He played college hockey at Niagara, so he did end up playing college. But like at Pee Wee level, he was so much bigger than everyone because he just grew quicker. Yeah, yeah. And I always remember thinking, I don't know. I'm I'm not buying it because I think when people are the same height as him, I don't know if he's, his game translates. Yeah, no, it, and like, he still played D one, so I mean he he didn't fall off a cliff, but I don't think he turned out to be the prospect people thought when he was twelve. But yeah, real quick side yeah. note too, bringing up all these big name players, um, you know, I never played high level hockey myself, so right. this has really given me the opportunity to play against you know so many high right. level. I mean, you know, same one thing on my list is I want to go through and and put a list together of all you know, pro players that have played in the league. I just haven't got to it yet. And I want to do a bio page on the website. You know, like Nick D. Simone is, is with yeah. the Barracudas now. Schmelzer is with uh, New Jersey's AHL team. I can't think of him off the top. Binghamton. Binghamton, yeah. Yep, he's with – I mean, there's just so many players, dude. Kevin Quick. Um, what about uh, Nick Schaus? Hasn't he played for played in the leagues? I think he has. He played um, pro. We, we had a guy play a couple years ago that played for the Sabres. Uh, he had a short stint with the Sabres. He played like two years ago. Scored a couple on Flowers. Flowers was pissed. Tim I, Kennedy? No, I can't even think of his name. He's friends with uh, D. Simone, Hanno, all them. Not a great skater, man, but he could shoot that puck. Oh, I think I know who you mean. I can't even think yeah, of his I name. I if you said you it, I would yeah. know. But, you know, even stuff like I that. I think he's played in the corporate challenge with Anthony tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's or from Friday. around here. Yeah. Um, you know, he's friends with Hanno and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I just think it would be cool. And, and, you know, that's kind of a way to try to combat this perception on roller hockey. Hey, listen, look at all these yeah. guys that played. They're fine. Yeah, you should do pros, college, OHL. Yep. Anyone who, anyone's who got a hockey DB. No, you could absolutely. Link to hockey DB. Yep, yep. You know, they could click on the name, go to their hockey DB, and see their profile. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even a guy, you know, An- Andrew Sturts. Yep. Yeah, I mean, even a guy like him, like he's uh, signed with, I believe, Ottawa, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You know, so many high-level players, and, you know, I was definitely no standout when I played against them, but I could hang with them. I right. could, you know, pass the puck and, and skate you around know, with you're, them And you're all. a smart player, too. Like, you know, and you've mastered the game of roller hockey, like your style and, you know, the way. Well, that that's where I fit in the yeah. most. I'm not going to go out there and run and gun and dangle through people and put the puck in the net. I'm going to control the game. and sell. I'm more of a playmaker guy at this point. Right. And, you know, it, it provides me the, the longevity of continuing to play playing right. that way you know so and you come in and out sometimes you're into it sometimes you're not as into you, it you know and, and the reason obviously is everything else that's mental like yeah. when i get bogged down and busy with stuff hockey becomes a burden which i hate mm-hmm. um you know like there's days where i wake up and i'm like oh i got a game tonight when i lace them up i'm always into it right but sometimes getting there is tough but i still love playing man i really do i, I like to play at least once a week what's the uh what's so, like, what's the defining moment in the history? Is it the 
giving up the late goal in the final? Like, is that the, like, what's the defining moment for my personal career, the, the organization in general? You know, like whether it's something that happened in the travel team, something that happened well, in the league. Like, what's the defining You moment? know, we've won a couple of Narch Golds, which any level winning a Narch Gold's huge. I mean, me personally, um, you know, when we won with Vin and Conacher back in 2010, like I worked on that for years, dude. And, you know. What we, did you win? We the won uh, 21U, which 21U, basically made okay. us the best 21U team in okay. the world. And, like, we worked. Because there was pro junior 21U at that time, right? Correct. Yeah, the year before, we actually got um, bronze third place in pro D1 and junior. You know, so we knocked down the door for years. Oh, we lost in the semis. Well, first round of the playoffs. And then we finally broke through. So, you know, that was that was awesome. And then, you know, on a negative note, when we lost the $50,000 game that I actually just posted about. Um, that was the game where you had him and Flowers let in the goal in the last second or Well, whatever. yeah. I mean, I mean it know, wasn't his fault. Yeah, yeah. There so it many, sounds worse than dude, saying that. It, it, it was, sound worse. Th- at that point in time, that game was full contact. Yeah. And I don't know, like Jerry Saints here. Dude, he was a, a, a lumberjack, man. That dude was just an animal. So, what's the story? Like, Flowers thought you guys had won, right? Like the no, no, no. There's a video, dude. I, I'll actually, I can send you the link too. I'll share it on your page. But um, you know, we're grinding it out, and um, you're up. By we're one. up and five it's to very four. Late in the game. Five to four. Yeah. And who are some of the guys in the team at this point? Um, this is the classic lineup, like Jason. Uh, or, no, no, no. There's no? only four of us. It was me. Perkins, Chris Welch, which he Chris was Welch. really Played good in his day. Yeah. And then um, Jason Krzyzewski. So there was the four of us core guys. Flowers was in net. Then we had Josh Myers, not really sure on his hockey career. Derek Hahn, I think he played pretty high level. Um, we had um, the guy from the Americans. Um, they called him Sharky. He was sick. Um, Craig Sharon. Remember him? Her? No. He He played for the Americans. He was really good. And then we had... Uh, Another guy, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name. So, you know, we just went out there and grinded it out. We were up 5-4, to four, and the puck goes back to the point, point. I literally, no bullshit, I had my leg over the bench. Right. It was like, very late in the game. Dude, yeah. at point five seconds on yeah. the clock. Literally, it went down to the point five. Point five, dude, puck goes in the net. There's bodies all in front. Little snapper from the point. Nothing special. And it goes in, and then we go into overtime, and we end up losing, dude. And I literally had uh, my ass was on the bench ready to hop over, throw the gloves, and go nuts. And it was just wow, $40,000 swing. We got ten grand, They got forty. Wow. It was crazy, man. I mean, 16 years ago that was. But, you know, on the negative note, that's the negative low. I mean, there's been a lot of lows. But, but still, even if that's a negative low, that's still a second place yeah. in the biggest tournament yeah. the, of the year, right? No, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. A tough way to lose it. But, but yeah, me, you know, me personally, the, the finals, and, and it's not even just because we won. It was because I, you know, we went years to, to work up to that. It took a long time. to. You guys to, should have a Hall of Fame. You should start a Hall yeah. of Fame. You should start a, a – Well, you know, I'm into your ideas, yeah, man. Yeah, you should you start know? a Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, that would be cool, dude. That would be cool. Give out plaques, make a banner. You got to be you retired know? to be in, right? I don't know. Not necessarily. I think it's more about service years. Are we doing it like – You know, I think you need to have been a part of the leagues for – Are we doing know? Are we doing it like the NFL does it or are we doing it like the WWE does their Hall of Fame? <laughs> combination of both combination, combination of both because i believe WWE, sometimes you want to st- put someone in maybe for the politics yeah it's a business yeah, yeah. you know no dude that would be but, cool well that that's i'm definitely taking two things away from that i, I do want to do the bio page like, yeah that would be cool that'd be awesome with the links to right to the yep. hockey db like oh you don't think you can make it click on this guy's he played yep, click yep. on his name 
McCollum, boom, first round pick, his page. Yep. You know, yep. Anthony, boom, yeah. Uh, you know, whoever. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, not that it matters, but I think we could probably even backlog the roller stats for those particular players to yeah. see how they did in the league. Because back in the day, it was point streak. Now we're using the power play. So that would be really cool. Um, I mean, there's a good handful of high level guys that played. Um, and, you know, like I said, it was awesome playing against them. Yeah, the Quicks, the Zarbos. I mean, Zarbos were, man, those guys, they brought it, I mean, man. that's three D1 players right there. Yeah. Yep. All three brothers played D1. Yeah. No, definitely. Who the hell did Matt play? Let's see, Joe played at – oh, Clarkson. Matt and Joe both yep, played yep. at Clarkson. Together. Yeah, see, the reason with them is they were so um, ice hockey-like animal. Yeah. Like we, you know, they, they were. you could beat them with a system. There was a time – where it was the transition game versus the possession game. Yep, yep. You know, like that era. Like, And our team was very much a transition team. You know, More of a run and gun. Run, yep, run yep. It, win it with speed. You guys and, were a fun team to watch. You watch yeah. one of my teams, people are turning it off after three minutes. The problem is, is if you get down against a possession team down and that's your, your style, you get in trouble. Yeah, well, you know, man. But if you can get ahead, like that, that Flowers team, that game I told you, once we got ahead of them, they were done. They just couldn't. Yeah, well, you got to be mentally tough at that point, too, and if you're not. And plus, they thought they just had to show up to win. Yeah. you know, and, and They didn't I, know it hit them. I'll tell you, that's one of the reasons why I've loved Roller so much. I just love dissecting the game, the um, situations of the game. Okay, it's 0-0 in the second period. Nice and laid back and chilled. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't have to go crazy. You're down 5-1 to one in the third period. You got a man up. You can't let them hold the puck. I just love dissecting all that stuff and – you know, preparing for all that. One more thing. Who's the next, who's someone you got playing or two or three that if we did this five or 10 years from now, that'd be a name we're talking about at this point. Um, who's got some potential, you know, there's actually a group of young, um, kids that I actually coach. I coached an arch a couple years ago, a couple of group of 14 U's. There's some really good players on that team. I mean, they played in the 23 U league last year and they're 14 U ice guys and they won games. They pissed people off in the end. They end up losing it all. But, um, there is a guy on that team, Brady Hildreth. He's pretty sick. Um, Sean Cochran, he's an absolute defensive animal. He he'll go in the corners with the, an adult. He doesn't give a shit. Um, so those are two young ones that come off the top of my head. I mean, put it this way: I would grab a couple of those guys to play on my bronze team. Right, and they would be good to go. Um, but you know, right now, I mean, it's tough. You know, it's just the whole dynamic. Of everything's just changing yeah. so much. Like you said, you know, we're fighting video games. Yeah, and Facebook and Tuesday night Fortnite or Tuesday night roller hockey. You know, for yeah. me, it's an easy decision. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know about these other kids. All right, uh, Eric Hawk is the proprietor of western new york roller hockey and um his volleyball and we'll get all this in one easy spot where you guys can click and and check it out i do have one last plug to simplify things so with me running all of these businesses i created a separate entity called western new york amateur sports all western new york amateur sports is is a culmination of everything so i actually I actually forgot about that, but if you go to westernyorkamateursports.com, you'll find everything, find everything. on there. All okay. my links, all my which for me made the most sense because I like to promote my own stuff and wear my shirts instead of you know wearing a West New York roller shirt. Western, I wear West New York Amateur, and it's a one-stop shop for everything. Thanks, buddy. Yep.
All right, I have to thank Eric Hawk and Jeff Perlman for being on the podcast today. Don't forget you can hear this episode of the podcast and all episodes, almost 300, on our SoundCloud page. That's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and wherever podcast catchers are catching podcasts. Don't forget you can find us on Twitter. We're at sports underscore casters for all the up-to-date information on guests and when episodes will post. You can also email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com. Maybe if you're interested in a copy of The History of the Future by Blake J. Harris. A few other plugs, uh, podcast friends. Don't forget, uh, Greetings from Allentown posts every Thursday. Uh, last week was one of the all-time great episodes, which focused on the episode of Superstars of Wrestling where Ricky Steamboat had his larynx crushed by the Macho Man. Uh, for more information about Peter Winston and Greetings from Allentown, Check out him on Twitter. He's at GF Allentown Pod. Also, my buddy Dater at a Dater on Twitter, BSN Denver, where he works. He's doing podcasts there. He is the man when it comes to covering the Colorado Avalanche, one of the greatest of all time, one of the best hockey beat writers, hockey Hall of Fame material, in my opinion. Uh, check him out. He's at a Dater there. Uh, also, the Place to Be Nation podcast. I was on episode number 513. Uh, my friend Peter Winston was actually on 514 and 515, I think, will be recorded on Monday. Uh, great podcast, place to be nation, uh, com. They have a candy tournament going on and some information uh, there as well. Also, uh, really excited about a tennis partnership that we started. Uh, I talked about it last podcast. Matthew Zemick uh, is my man that we've been uh, working with on that. And um, he uh, got me a, a. I talked to him since we, since we did the uh, podcast, and he was really happy with how the promo turned out. Uh, the podcast is called Tennis with an Accent, and you can get it on Google Play and Stitcher and iTunes. You can su- su- subscribe, you can rate, you can review. Uh, it's produced by Radio Influence, a home of over a dozen compelling podcast products with a wide range of topics. Uh, Saqib is his partner, uh, Matt's partner, and he hosts the weekly Tennis with an Accent podcast. It's released every Tuesday. Uh, Tennis, A-C-C-E-N-T.com, is managed and edited by lead writer Matt Zemick. Uh, Tennis with an Accent is a report on every occasion when Roger Federer coughs or sneezes. When Federer makes news, Tennis with an Accent will write about him, but the mission of TWAA is to offer original insights on all players across the spectrum of the sport. Uh, for more information, at S-A-Q-I-B-A on Twitter. Also at A-C-C-E-N-T underscore tennis on Twitter. Or follow Matt. He's at M-Z-E-M-E-K on Twitter. Uh, thanks to those guys. Uh, quickly, Western New York Roller Hockey. We talked about them uh, with, of course, in detail. Uh, we talked about Western New York uh, Roller Hockey uh, with Eric Hawk just a minute ago. Um, but I did want to just remind you, uh, you can go to www.westernnewyorkrollerhockey.com, the initials, WNYRH.com. Uh, registration is open uh, for summer of 2019, and league play begins April 26th. Uh, so we're getting close. Uh, one of the great roller hockey organizations in Western New York, and always a fun time every summer. Uh, you can follow them on Facebook. 
three spots at WNY Volleyball, at WNYRH, and at WNY.SchoolOfHockey. All right, with all that said, one last thing for me today. And I thought about talking about Beckham and the Browns and NFL free agency, kind of decided to pass on that. Thought about talking about the downfall of the Sabres, right? They were this team with a 10-game winning streak that put them in the top of the league like two months into the season. Uh, And there was a lot of optimism here, but eh, I kind of decided to pass on that. Um, So I was just kind of thinking, like, what's going on? And I thought I would tell you about my experience uh, at the doctor yesterday. So I had an issue with my penis, okay? So here's what happened. First of all, I urinate like a 90-year-old. Like, I, at night, I am waking up every hour to pee. So I told my doctor, I said, I'm waking up every hour to pee. And he kind of, you know, gave me some explanation and whatever. So then I went on and a couple weeks after I'd been to the doctor, I found some blood in my number three. Now I don't want to get too graphic, but if you think of things that come out of the penis, number one is pee, number two out of the bum hole, number three, the other thing that comes out of the penis. And I found some blood in there. So I mentioned that to the doctor, and he said, well, with that and the peeing, you better go see a urologist, so you refer me to a urologist, and I went. Now, this place that I go to see this urologist is unbelievably efficient. Okay, they have this unbelievable system. You walk in the door. They check you in before your butt sits the, the chair. The lady, the nurse is there to bring you to the back. They take your vitals. They put you in the room. They explain things to you. The doctor came in. I told him what was wrong. I seen him for about 40 seconds. He said, I want to give you three tests. Two will be in a couple weeks and one after that. And then we'll meet to discuss what we found. But his hunch is it could be some kidney stones because with my Crohn's disease, people with kidney stones are more vulnerable to that. So then after that, they said, you need to get blood uh, for your, your one test to give blood. So they took me to where they do the blood draws in the building and I have a really good vein for blood draws and for IVs and things like that. And it's in my left arm, right in the crook of my elbow, but it's tricky. Many times have nurses failed to be able to get it, and they often have to get in a more skilled nurse uh, to get it started. But it is the best one. There's no doubt about that. Well, on this particular day, the nurse that they had drawing the blood Despite me explaining to her where it was and how she could do it, it didn't work out and I ended up having to leave there and go give blood at a blood draw specific place. I can't think of what they're called now, but there's a million of them. So yesterday were my tests, two of the three, and one I knew was going to be a CT scan and the other one was going to involve them sticking a camera Uh, in my pee hole and looking around and making sure there wasn't any tumors or polyps or anything like that. So I was not looking forward to that at all. Uh, And I got there and it was every bit as awful as you would think. Uh, The nurse came in. She said, you know, take your pants down, cover yourself up with a sheet. You know, she was really nice. She's talking to me. She's keeping me occupied. Next thing you know, bam, she puts it in. It's like the worst feeling. 
But then, you know, 30 seconds later, this doctor came in. Like I said, this place, bing, bang, boom, they don't mess around. Doctor comes in, puts the camera in, looks around, you know, oh, yeah, oh, oh, he's making comments, you know. Probably him and the nurse are probably chuckling at the size of my penis, which is fine. I can handle it. And then they, he finishes, he says, I found no surprises. There's no cancer, there's no polyps. Uh, so I'll see you in a couple weeks after your other tests. So now it's time for the CT scan. And for the CT scan, they need to put some dye in so that they can get a better view. And I've had this a million times, but that means starting an IV. Uh, and the first lady comes in and I can just tell right away, there's no chance she's getting this IV in. I could just tell, you know, like I said, I've had a couple hundred, but I explained to her, I have a really good one right here. It's in this arm, but it's kind of underneath the surface. If you get the needle in there, you'll get it. You'll get it started. It's a good one. She wants to try this other one that she finds on like the side of my elbow. I know it's never going to work, but you know what can I do? What can I say, really? And uh, it's a disaster. Doesn't work. She's like, I'm going to go get the nurse. Now, I thought we had a perfectly fine kind of interaction. I don't know. Maybe we didn't, but the nurse comes in, and she's just really nasty with me. She's kind of getting really close to me and like, telling me this is a different day and your veins are different every day and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, and I just, at one point I, I finally, I said to her, I said, I honestly stop listening. If you can just get it started, that'd be great. And she got really offended and then she kept going and she kept going and I ended up walking out. I just said, I can't do this. So now I have to go to the hospital to get the CAT scan done uh, because again, they couldn't get the blood draw started. And man, it's unbelievable for a place as efficient uh, as they are there, and just some of the support staff just just not making the grade. Um, uh, but overall, my experience with urology has been uneven, to say the least. Uh, it's good to know that they didn't find any tumors or any polyps. You know, it is disappointing to know that there's two more individuals out there who know just how unimpressive my penis is uh you know but overall i got three more appointments i've been two i'm gonna have to go to the hospital for the cat scan that's three then my next test will be four and then the follow-up will be five so this one little problem they managed to get five doctor's appointments out of me uh, and that's probably why the healthcare system in this country is going broke Thanks for listening today. We're going to be back next week.
be mine.